What's up, everyone? Welcome to a special Wednesday edition of Game Face. Unfortunately, I had some stuff come up yesterday, so we couldn't do it on our usual time slot. But the good news is it gave us a lot more time to play Metal Gear. And we needed it. We, yeah, we do need it. <laughs> Just to kind of give you some uh, some background on why our Game Eval is not up yet, I actually have an interesting story to share. Uh, first of all, we didn't get to go to the event that some other outlets went to where they got to play it for review. And I got it a few days in advance before it came out. I guess about five days in advance. Mm -hmm. So I start playing it on the first day and I'm playing it here in the studio so I can capture footage of the game. And I get up to come over here to get something from behind the game face set and I stumbled over the HDMI cord that was plugged into the back of my PlayStation 4 and I ripped the HDMI cable out of the PlayStation 4 and bent the port on the console. And just so you know, that basically renders your console 100% worthless. There's no other way to get any video out of your PlayStation 4. Like the PlayStation 3 had kind, kind of that extra hookup, that analog hookup so you could use component cables. PlayStation 4 doesn't have that. So the mad scramble was on. I tried to fix it at first. I couldn't get it to work. I ended up having to buy a whole other system. I've lost a lot of saves and like a bunch of other stuff. I have PT on my old PlayStation 4 and obviously you can't download that again. Like, I keep telling there's ways to get around it, but none of them are fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I spent, like, I burned like a day just with all that crap, man. I'm so mad at myself for doing that. Not just because I have to buy another PlayStation 4 and that's like a lot of money, but just the stupidity of me stumbling <laughs> over a cable and ruining my system. Well, also, the HDMI stuff is real fragile. You can. It's ridiculous yeah. how fragile it is. Like, I, I think I've said it on this show before. I think it's ridiculous that the HDMI is the standard for HD video when it's such a crappy connection and just the whole thing seems so archaic. But anyway, it set me back another day. I did get to kind of make up that day yesterday and played a little bit more. We are going to talk about Metal Gear a ton on this show. I'll just tell you right now, it is our deep dive. I'm a good 30 plus hours into it. Matt's 10 plus some hours Between into 10 it. 10 and 15, I think. So we've been playing the holy mother out of it. I'm sure some of you guys have as well. So this should be a pretty interesting discussion for our deep dive. But Q4 is here, Matt. Yes, it is. I mean, it's it is with here. Avengers. It is. Like this month, September, there are like 20 big games coming out. There were three already this past week that came out. And we're working through all those game evals right now. They'll be coming to the site very soon. And we're going to be talking about a lot of those games that came out over the last week on the show. And also, there's a big contest that we're going to talk about at the show close that you guys should definitely stick around for. Um, you guys are actually going to have a bit of an advantage in the contest because you're watching Game Face Live on Twitch. So we want to reward some of you guys who are staying up late or maybe who just take the time to actually watch the show live and chat with us and ask questions and things like that. So we've got a lot to get to. We should get to it right now. Let's make the big six happen. So Matt, I did a live stream with with Super Mario Maker mm -hmm. about a week mm -hmm. and a half ago. Um, it was a big hit, it seemed. Yeah, well, other than my my skills on display, <laughs> they, those were not a big hit with me or the viewers. I would add, um, but we haven't really talked about this game in depth until now. The game is the the embargo is lifted. I can pretty much talk about it freely. Uh, I've probably spent a good I don't know. 
15 or 20 hours playing it at this point, and I, I have to say, like, I feel like I'm ready to write the game eval now after about 15 or 20 hours. I don't know what that necessarily says about the game, so to mm. speak. Um, reviews have been coming out today. As I said, the embargo lifted. The reviews have been extremely generous and really, really high scores. I haven't seen a perfect yet. No. But I did but... see a 9.5. I saw mm. a lot of 9s. Actually, I think I did see a 5 out of 5, which I don't really count as like a perfect score. because you know we 5-point scale is a little looser. Yeah, we yeah. use that on X-Play for many yeah. years, and it's a lot easier to give a game a 5 out of 5 than a 10 yeah. out of 10. So... The games... Or a 10.0 out of 10.0, which is yeah. what a lot of these scales are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, obviously the early reception from critics has been extremely encouraging. Um, I would say, if you're going to ask me what my the score of the game eval will work out to be, I would say it's not going to be anywhere near a 10 or a 10, you know, a 9.9 mm-hmm. or anything in sort of that range. And, you know, the thing I would say first that strikes me about this game is I just wonder how smart it is for Nintendo to create and release this game. I don't know. I think you're creating a real expectation that this is what Mario is going to be from now on. Like you like if you release another like, you know, new Super Mario Brothers game, it's going to feel really confining. And here's the thing, and the reason I say that is because some of the user created levels for this game are just as creative, if not more creative than the levels that Nintendo builds for its 2D Mario games. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if this game has rendered the 2D Mario franchise completely ineffective for the future. It's a good question. And like you wonder if Nintendo A is aware of that and B can admit that. But see and like but like like would, would a future like what what about a future Mario like say the NX side scrolling Mario cuz I don't think this invalidates 3D Marios. Like if you want no, to like, of course like not. it's a totally different thing. No, no, but no. like but like a 2D new Super Mario Bros style thing like in the future, is this all going to have to be user-generated kind of content? Is, is are you going to play a game where like maybe they've curated Mario Maker levels and like the game is made up of like levels it pulls down from the from from the cloud or whatever yeah. you want to call it, um, the cloud bush. It pulls yeah. it down from the cloud bush, <laughs> um, and like and like maybe that's what like two D Mario becomes now, sort of this community experience. But see, here's the thing, and here what made me think about this is this week we curated a story to Sifted, and it was the 15 best selling games of all time. And on that list were I think three or four side scrolling Mario games. These games sell like you would not believe. Not only that, I mean, they outsell the 3D Marios like 3 to mm-hmm. 1. I mean, it's not even close. Like Mario, Super Mario Galaxy and Galaxy 2 and all those games, they don't sell worth a crap compared to the side-scrolling ones. And so this is a big cash cow for Nintendo, and it's basically just it's neutered it. Like, I just, I'm really surprised that they did this because Nintendo is usually very smart with its IP and very smart with its finances, and I've, I think it could be a huge mistake because... Mm. Look, the reviews, they're legit. Like, this game is pretty freaking awesome if you love 2D Mario. And that's the thing. Like, I have kind of burned out on 2D Mario because I've been (laughs) playing it since I was a little kid. And, you know, I'm old now. Don't know if you noticed, but I'm old now. (laughs) I have. So, I've I've kind of burned out on 2D side-scrolling platformers, period. That's a big reason I'm not, like, a big indie games guy. Because most indie games are side-scrolling platformers. While they look much prettier and always have some kind of a unique mechanic in them, 
that I haven't experienced before. Like a lot of times, I play the first like hour or two of them. Mm-hmm. I experience that mechanic, and then I'm just kind of done with it. And like Mario, I've been fiddling around with these same tools and blocks for literally decades of my life. And so, you know, the draw for me to this game is probably a little more muted than it would be for a lot of other people. But if you look, if you love 2D Mario, this game, you may never have to buy another video game. <laughs> I mean, I've been really impressed with the user-created levels, and granted, what I've experienced so far are from really dedicated people. They're press people who have played Mario for a really long time. They understand at least the tenets of good level design. They know what makes a level good, what makes a level bad. Um, once it, And look, there are still a lot of levels that, that are terrible, by the way. Mm-hmm. And most of the levels I've created are terrible, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just full disclosure, my levels are not good. I don't have the patience to do it. Like, it's re- even though these tools are great and they've streamlined everything about as much as they possibly could, it is still extremely time-consuming, and there's a lot of trial and error with building mm-hmm. these levels. Like, And I just don't see most people who buy this game i think they're all going to create a level because you kind of have to right they're going to create a couple levels and then they're going to realize how much work really goes into it and i feel like they're going to bail on the whole concept and what you're going to end up left left with is levels from a very select group of people which might ultimately be the better for the betterment for the game i think that's the truth that's going to happen with any game like this i think it happened with little big planet it happens with that kind of thing, because there's only going to be a certain number of dedicated people who are willing to put that much time and effort into making something good for free. Yeah. And like, and you got to wonder if that kind of pool is getting smaller these days, because nowadays if you can do that, you can kind of put your own indie game out yeah. and make some money off of it. But I think the draw of Mario is, you know, I think there's people who would make Mario levels just because it's Mario. Oh, for sure. And, um... Like, part of me isn't too worried about it, because, like, the idea that, you know, about 80 to 90% of your user base is going to be a consumer on on that kind of a game, and I think, you know, that goes back to the, you know, like, Unreal Tournament and Unreal right. Mods and stuff like that. So I think that you're going to hit that balance. I think the bigger question is what Nintendo does next with the 2D Mario. I mean, maybe it does have a master plan, and it knows that it has something it's been working on that's going to be a paradigm shift for Nintendo usually Mario. does have a plan yeah that's what I was saying earlier is like this seems so out of character for them to basically sacrifice one of its mm-hmm. biggest IPs essentially for one game which yeah. we'll see how it sells it'll be interesting to watch this and see you know Unla- Minecraft is huge and I think that might feed into it a little mm. bit yeah that's true but unless unless they've got a plan for the next 2d Mario game, and it's like nothing we expect. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like unless they have a plan, like they know what they're doing with the series, mm-hmm. and they're like, we don't need that anymore. Which would be cool. I mean, you know, like like we haven't seen a full reinvention of the 2D Mario probably since Super Mario World. That's the last time. So yeah, where sure. where all of a sudden they throw you know because Mario Super Mario Bros. Three was like that too. Where all of a sudden like you know that that series was great because it kept evolving. And you kept you know seeing things in each game. Like even though the base gameplay was the same, it kept changing. And like. I think Super Mario World was the last. Super Mario World was the last one to really blow my mind. Yeah. Or maybe Yoshi's Island, if you count that as part of the main series. Yeah. Where like like that was like oh wow they're really playing with the genre and how they you know they used to be the masters of that and I think you know the, the Wii you know New Super Mario Bros. stuff sort of got a little it's der- wrote, very derivative very yeah. much so and yeah. you know maybe now maybe now they're like well like we've got this set of kind of tools everybody expects we're gonna give those to you. And now we're going to go off in this whole different direction, 
and maybe the 2D Mario on the NX is going to like just shred our minds with how original and, and new it is. I hope so. Um, the other thing I like I would, it. I yeah, like that. I would like that very much because, like I said, I have really burned out on this series and the side-scrolling sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I still love 3D Mario's probably more than any franchise out there. At least it's been my top five. So I love uh, 3D platformers, and I miss them. I do really. too. Yeah. So. Maybe we'll see one of those soon. That would be great. Yeah. Well, I've been playing Banjo Kazooie again on the Rare Replay. Oh but yeah. It, it just reminds me of how much I like the N64's like platformer library. Yeah, really. yeah. Oh, it was the best. It certainly has the best platformer. Come on, library. Uka- ukulele. Don't let us down. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and then just to kind of sum things up on Super Mario Maker. Obviously, I'm going to have a lot more detail in the game eval for it. But the other thing I would say is that you know. It's pretty well documented that this game doesn't give you all the tools at once. It mm. kind of doles them out over a period of time. One, I think that's a terrible idea. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's to me, it's an idea that was made for children, and mm-hmm. I get it. A lot of kids do play side-scrolling Mario games, so I kind of understand where Nintendo's coming from on that. But as an adult, it was infuriating because once you do eventually open up the tools, you learn them all in like an hour, mm-hmm. and. What that brings me to my next point, which is the game needs more tools. Like the base game that you're gonna buy at retail, it needs more. And I'm sure that's a part of their recoup strategy, maybe, with giving away kind of this 2D Mario builder, is they'll recoup a lot of their money on DLC. Hmm. But I the the tools wore thin for me pretty quickly. And again, you know, I didn't build a ton of levels. Maybe some of the people who are really into it got a lot more mileage out of them than I did, but I kind of lost interest in building levels pretty quickly. One, for the frustration, and two, for the lack of breadth in yeah. the tools. So, well, I mean, it is a, it's a skill, it's a talent. I mean, I, I don't remember what site it was, but I saw it was some article, maybe it was Kotaku, but it was like some article about... This guy tried. One of the reviewers there, like he tried to build a level, and like he started it with like a like a wall jump thing, yeah. and it took him like all day just to fine tune that wall jump section yeah. so people could do it. That's the way it is. It's yeah. uh, and it's just like, and it's like, yeah, it's like welcome to game development, kids. You know, it's it like really that's is, that's yeah. what it is. It's not fun. It's it's work for sure, and. Um, you know, I, I haven't touched Mario Maker. I've, I've watched videos, I've seen things, but I have literally never touched it so far. And, and like, what's your interest level in the game? Very low. Yeah. Um, but partly because all I've seen is like the maker stuff, and I'm not really interested in that. Yeah. Whereas, like, I know it comes with like a hundred levels, like pre-made or something. Yeah. I, and the other I, thing too is that if just, I had a Wii U, I would have bought it. Yeah. But I don't have a Wii U, and it's not really pushing me to get one. Here's the other thing that I say is really cool about the game, because I don't want to just completely rag on it and talk about negative parts of it. Is that if you try other people's levels, it's like instantaneous. Mm-hmm. There's no downloading. You can download the level and keep it locally if you want. But if you just want to play that level, like you tap that level and boom, it fires off. And well, granted, granted, these file sizes probably aren't that big. Cause it's just information that it's mm-hmm. sending to the hardware to display stuff. But it is instantaneous. Like you hit, I want to play that level, and boom, you're in and you're playing. So it's pretty seamless. It's re- relatively painless. If you're somebody who just wants to buy this to play other people's levels, I mean, it's the endless Mario platformer. It yeah. will likely never, ever run out of new levels to play. Uh, one one final point before we move on to the next topic of the Big Six that I want to make is that, oddly enough, some of the most enjoyable moments I had with Mario Maker was playing levels where you do nothing. <laughs> because they the, just carry you through it. Yeah, and... because the ingenious of it all, mm-hmm. like, just... Some of them are like, hold right and run, and you just do that the whole time, and it's just, everything is set up like Mousetrap, like mm-hmm. the old board game Mousetrap, where you just get flung around through the levels and everything reacts the way it's supposed to. 
Some of these people are insane what they do, man. <laughs> I mean, because some of them will send like Mario through a crazy gauntlet and it'll get flung up into the air and then an enemy will slowly come flying in and you'll come in and doink, hit that enemy, <laughs> jump right to the next thing that propels you forward. Like, it is genius. Well, clearly, the there are people, you know, you see this in the like the mod community or the, the, the fan-made level community. Like, some of these people just dream Mario. It's like, pretty insane. It's, it's yeah. uh, the the level of de- dedication and fandom is amazing, really. Like yeah. the the tool assisted run things you see and all that, where like these yeah. people design these levels that no human could complete, but right. it's like it's just astounding. Like, like and I, you know that would be what I want the game for, really, is to see what other people make because I'm never going to make anything of note in that game like yeah. that anybody would want to play. But like, I really would like to see what everybody else comes up with. And it's very, like I said, it's very easy to do and sample, and they're all sorted very well. Like they're basically sorted based on difficulty, and they mm-hmm. determine the difficulty based on how many, like the percentage of times tried versus the times died. So there might be some people in there just right. jumping into bottomless pits to try to <laughs> grieve other people's creations, which could totally happen. But uh, so far, the system seems to be working pretty well. The the, right. the difficulty settings seem to be fairly accurate. Every once in a while, you get a, an outlier. Um, well, I'm, I probably will pick up a, uh, a Wii U later so I can play Xenoblade Chronicles X near the end of the year. And when I do, I will probably try to find the Mario Maker bundle okay. for that. One thing I, I would say is it has that Nintendo spit shine. Like, it is, yeah. a, it is a quality you can product. You even from videos. Yeah, every nook and cranny of that game is very well polished and very well put together and presented very well. So... It's a good game. Could be mm-hmm. a, a great game for certain types of people. I guess is the best way. I would Do you put think it. they're gonna like port it to the NX, or the, will the NX have its own? Oh yeah, version? I think this. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it, it, depending would, on if you were a Nintendo, wouldn't you launch with that? I mean, it's it may like be backwards compatible. Yeah, the NX. Who knows? And then they don't have to worry about it. But yeah, I mean, this is gonna be around for a long time. Or maybe that's maybe that's Nintendo's plan. Is well, <laughs> the Wii U's going away. Metroid Maker. Right. You want a Metroid game so bad, you fucking make it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they start spreading it out to other franchises. Or the other thing is maybe they leave it behind with the Wii U. Yeah. And their next 2D Mario game is for the NX. It's all thing. But, like, can you imagine what people would do with Zelda Maker? Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, I mean, yeah, a lot of it would be crap. Yeah. But, like, can you imagine, like, the two or three, like, top people oh, on that amazing. game? Yeah. And, like, it's like, here's a new Zelda game. I made this in six months. Or I'll see if, in six more months. Or Another if it was, like, Zelda a game. 3D one as well, that would be awesome. Yeah. Maybe that's the next step for Nintendo, too, is, like, making a 3D Mario 3D game Mar- where you can build your own levels. But That would be so, so much harder. How, yeah. <laughs> How far down the rabbit hole do you let people go before it starts alienating a big part yeah, of Yeah, I audience? think if you go into 3D, you're, you're looking at too advanced for Nintendo's yeah. preferred audience. Although, Minecraft. True. True, but like kids, I think kids are growing up with the Minecraft, man. Kids are growing up with the Minecraft. That's true, but like I don't know if they're ready. You know, if you, if you really want to start, I don't know. Well, Disney Infinity has a lot of weird, yeah. like, like you know, tools and connector things and logic tra- tra- traps and shit like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it could happen. Yep. Ocarina Time Maker could happen. You never know. All right, it's time to move on to the next topic, and you just actually segued very yeah. nicely into it, Matt. I don't yeah. know if you did that on purpose, but a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> So another big game that came out this week, Disney Infinity 3.0. I think I may have said it on the show before, but the game just seems incredibly confusing to me. <laughs> like the whole toy box and like the packs that you buy, like you buy toys and you can buy these cards and there's these little like disc-like things that well, they sent to me. They've like, simplified the discs 
tremendously <laughs> because this uh, is a kids primarily a kids game by the way yeah, but, or, or the play kid, with your kids game the kids understand that there's like 700 pokemon now like the yeah. kids are good the kids are okay uh, but um like they simplified it tremendously i think like the last game there were 40 marvel discs and there were 40 disney discs but what are the discs? Explain the dis- it to the people. The discs who are, are like additions and power ups. So like, like they're basically just DLC codes on I a know. piece of plastic, right? They're, they're like um, circular. Th- so the circular ones you can put under the figures, and that's that can be outfits or uh, friends, like like team ups. Like they're they're like basically the, a bar fills, and then you can hit up on the D pad, and you'll summon like, you know like uh, Falcon or Captain Marvel or Mace Windu or whatever. Right. And um, and there's um. Uh, uh, weapons like weapons and gear, like you know, little, like a jetpack or like uh, throwing knives or like you know, just a little thing. Like I, I never use them really. Like yeah. they're not really a thing. And then there's the like the hexagonal ones. Some of those are building tools. Can you some, see already how this is getting yes. like way too complicated? Some of them are building tools. <laughs> some of them are vehicles. Some of the, you know, and and that's kind of how that rolls. And um, and some of them are weapons. Uh, but the thing is, um. They've just basically gotten rid of that in the new one. So in 3.0, you can buy the Twilight of the Republic Twilight of the Republic disc pack. They're not randomly packed anymore, like they used to be in a ra- like you know trading card pack kind of thing. Right. So now there's four. There's four discs. There's a Mace Windu team up. There's like a Sky, a Felucia Sky, a Felucia building set tools thing, and Grievous's wheel bike. Okay. And then when the Empire set, the original trilogy set comes out in a month. Uh, that will have a, a its own pack of four discs. Okay, and that's it. So there'll be a team, and that's it. Like that's so. No longer is there going to be eighty power-up discs. It's just going to be four discs. You can see them all. There's no randomness. Just buy the discs if you want them. Don't buy the discs if you don't want them. And now they're they're refocusing very strongly on the characters and kind of the the toy box creation. And I have uh, I am a Star Wars. Mark, so I went out and bought everything. <laughs> so I, I got the game, and I got all the Star Wars figures that are out right now, out so far. And I went to like Walmart down in Baldwin Hills to get the the. There's exclusive. a Walmart in Los Angeles. Yeah, like down, like down <laughs> Crenshaw, like way down uh, near uh, in Baldwin Hills. There's a uh, there's a Walmart with a giant mall. I mean, it is one of the largest malls I've ever been in. It is amazing, and like. Uh, they have an um, incredible cupcake shop called <laughs> it's called Southern Girl Desserts. It's great, um, but it's the only Walmart that is not up in the valley. So I went there and I got the exclusive Rebels figure there, and I went to a Target and got that one. I went to a Toys R Us. You really put some effort in. Uh, I, I, it was like the whole morning, <laughs> like all like Sunday morning was just like oh, we're going to find Star Wars toys. It was great. Was it time. worth it? Uh, I really like the game. Yeah. I really, really like it. It's it's. Here's much, my thing. So I've, it's I've far played... beyond like the playset, the actual Twilight of the Republic playset, and the em- Rise of the Empire, Rise Against the Empire playset. They are far, far beyond. So wait, what is a playset? Okay, the playset is an actual level. Okay. So like, so if you just start the game up with nothing but a character on it, you're going to go into the toy box. Okay. Which is um. So like, what's the toy box? The toy box is the is the creation tool. So it starts you kind of like Mario Maker in the sense like it's going to start you in like a thing where all these little characters explain to you all the tools and how uh-huh. everything works. And then after that, you can go stick around the tutorial. It's like a hub. And so there's like, you know, you can go over here to go into combat things. Or you can go over here to like learn how to build things. You can go over here to go into your house and decorate it and stuff. Or you can just start a new, what's called a new toy box. They've streamlined a lot of the terminology in this. In the 2.0, it was very confusing. And there was also an era where like, 
the tutorial could, if you did it in the wrong order, it could actually go out of memory and you, <laughs> and you couldn't finish it. It was it was really weird. Jeez. But um, because that's just how I mean, it's it's a pretty powerful piece of editing software if you know what you're doing. And uh -huh. it was just very hard to kind of cram all that in, I guess. But 3.0 is much more streamlined, and now you can just create like a, your own a, a new toy box, you know, like an empty one or a themed one or whatever, and you just go in and like. The, the character has like a little magic wand thing, or you can like go up, up and. So basically, it's, you build levels. You build levels. Okay. You build whatever you want. You can All upload right. it. You can download other people's levels, and that's much more intuitive now because you can go in like a theater in the hub and just look at like featured levels and download them there. So it's a little less like random menu browsing. But a playset is it's this little clear piece that usually comes you know with a two pack or something. And uh, that is a full, a it's basically a full <laughs> game. So it used to be like a, kind of like a level, like the Avengers one was like half of New York City. And like you'd run around this little kind of mini open world and like pick up fetch missions and do like story missions and beat guys up and stuff. Now the, the, the Star Wars one, like these things are like six to eight hour games. Okay. Like these are like, this is like, the, this is like a game you'd buy separately for like the PS2 kind of. Gotcha. You know? And like... So, so Twilight of the Republic is I finished that I haven't finished the original trilogy because, because the PS4 you can buy the saga pack that comes with the Rise of the Against the Empire thing and Luke this and Leia this is so complicated and Luke and Leia it's well because much. it's exclusive to PS4 so like you can't so Sony made some deals so if you want the, the other stuff will be sold separately later but if you want Boba Fett and the original trilogy thing a month or something early you have to buy the saga pack um, this is way too much. But basically, you put the you put the playset on. It says you want to go to the playset. You go into the playset. You can play with anybody once you unlock them. You know, and uh, any of the Star Wars characters once you unlock them. So they fixed that. It used to be you could only play specific characters in each playset. So like you could play as like Spider Man in the Spider Man playset, but, but you not... couldn't play it in the him in the Avengers right. playset. So now they've changed that. So. All Star Wars characters can play in all the Star Wars playsets, and all the Marvel characters can play in the Marvel playsets. But can Marvel go into Star Wars? No. So they still keep them inside their. They're still because like, there's like specific gameplay level design stuff that requires certain things. Uh, so you have to be able to force jump basically to get through a bunch of stuff. Right, right. And not all the Marvel characters can do that, so they yeah. can't do that. Okay. Um, the other thing you run into that's a problem, especially in the toy box, uh, where it's like, all right, I'm going to play Star Wars. Star Wars characters can't fly. Yeah. So, like, every once in a while, it's like, oh, you got to get up there and get this present up there. I'm just like, well, screw that. I'm just putting Iron Man in and flying up yeah, to the yeah. thing. I'm not doing your platforming for you. Know. Um, but the Twilight Republic game was actually, like, pretty good. Like, yeah. it's like, there's, like, four planets. And you, they like, say pretty good because this game is getting pretty high scores. Like, there's one outlier that like, gave it, like, a 6.5 or something. But then yeah. everyone else is, like, I think it's Metacritic is, like, 8.3 or It's up there. Well, because, like, like, here's the thing. They... they brought in a bunch of different developers to kind of like try to fine tune this thing. Because here's, here's my thing. Like, these games generally never snare me in because the gameplay is just a means to an end. Mm -hmm. It's just too simple, too easy, Not there's not enough depth to them. There's as much depth to the lightsaber combat in this one as like, I'd say any beat-em-up. So, there, it's, so still, it's still pretty it's simple. It's pretty simple, but it's like Streets of Rage simple as opposed to Double Dragon simple. Didn't they have Ninja Theory come in and work on yes. the melees for this? Ninja Theory came in and redesigned all the melee stuff. You can actually see um, in, in Marvel, they took a couple characters and kind of used them as test beds. And one of them, I think it's Loki and Gamora, uh, were the two characters from 2.0 there. And if you play Gamora, if you go back and play Gamora now... She is so clearly like the the Jedi template that it's uh -huh. like she plays very similar to the Jedi. Gotcha. And um, they are you know you, they're much more agile. The, the the melee combat in the in two was very 
stiff. Like you, you know, you know how going. Yeah, you, I played it. it yeah, it, like you I, went, you were going in one direction, and that was it. But now yeah. you can change direction in mid combo whenever you want. Okay. Uh, you can handle multiple enemies very easily. Uh, you can there's a lot of air combo stuff you can pull off. Like I, I, I felt pretty good about it. I mean, it's not Ninja Gaiden, but it's like for for what's clearly kind of a family kids game. Yeah. Like they is they it up to like Lego. Standards. Oh, it's better than Lego. Yeah. In terms of combat, it's much yeah. better than Lego. It's it's there's a real combo system. There's a real defense system. There's a real counter system. Good. It's all in there. All right. Um. So yeah. I, and so I I thought it was very good. I I would actually say it's one of the better Star Wars games ever made. Frankly, what? Because because <laughs> I realize that's, that's not a huge bar. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, I don't it, know. It, well, especially if you take out the um like the vehicle based stuff. Right. Right. The vehicle based games. You're left with what Jedi Outcast. Yeah. Like and this plays better than Jedi Outcast. I'll Shadow of the much. Empire. Shadow of the Empire. <laughs> That's not uh, good. Star Wars Bounty Hunter. You know, yeah. it's like, it, like it's it's good. It like they it's a solid action game. Like it's a solid uh, experience. And you know, it it would be better for me if Darth Vader was out already. You know, yeah, like yeah. some of some of the key players are not out yet. But like, you know, uh, also uh, you know, it's, also it's not a everyone's like oh a prequel. So I don't want to play the prequel place. It's not really a prequel place. It's a Clone Wars place. Yeah, it's, it's based it on the like cartoon. Me, yeah. it's, it's the same voices, the same. Ca- and by the way, Ahsoka, best character in the game. Like wow. not even close. Like she like except I mean some of the characters have lightsabers and blasters. Like Luke Skywalker and like one of the rebels. A couple of the rebels guys can shoot, which is good. Yeah. But she has like the double the two sabers. And she just wrecks shit. Like wow. she is, she is by uh, if by far my highest level and best character because she can just destroy people. Now before so she's we great. before we move on, I have one question I want to ask. Would you recommend this game to people who just like action games and wouldn't buy this just because of the properties in it? No, no, because it's because it, it's a celebration of those properties. Yeah, you know? like it's. Like, say someone has a passing interest. Like, look, I'm not a huge fan of... Well, I'm a big Star Wars fan. But mm-hmm. this isn't really Star Wars to me because it's kind of cartoony. So I... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I look at it differently because it's like the Clone Wars type art style or whatever. So, you know, just it being Star Wars alone isn't getting me mm-hmm. sort of wrapped up in it. So for somebody like me who likes a lot of these properties but doesn't have, like, action figures for most of them and isn't really into that whole scene, would you recommend it for those people? I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. I think you know it might be irritating to you that like they want you to pay like thirteen ninety nine to have the characters you like. Yeah. Um, but I think if you tried this, you'd be surprised at at how solid. You know, I was at the very least. I think you'd think it was solid C plus. Okay. Um, and yes, it's simple, but there's a lot of stuff to do, and there's some funny stuff in it, and the the areas are being. I mean, that's the other thing is like if you played two point like you, you play the Avengers yep. playset thing. Yeah. So like every basically every planet, there's four planets in the Twilight of the Republic thing. Each planet's like the size of the Avengers playset. Oh wow! I mean, it's, it's a it's a much more full play. So you're getting game. a lot more for your money this yes, time for sure. And uh, and it's just it, it's very well done, and it involves like a bunch of you know there's a lot of little things. Every character is represented in there somewhere, even if it's just as like a little like you know townsperson or something. There's a lot of nice little references. And the other thing is like even you know one thing this game really drives home is even if you know, love or hate the prequels, even if you you know think the prequels are the worst thing to happen to films. The one man who never let us down was John Williams. Yeah, because they right. use all they use all his <laughs> stuff as music in the in the prequels in the Clone Wars playset, and it is just that he is so good. He at really it. is. Every yeah. single and you, I realize at some point I'm like, oh, the music is great, but like, 
No, they're all pre- they're all prequel trilogy yeah. tracks, and like when like in the um, yeah, he wasn't off his no, game. He was not at all. Like in <laughs> and in, in Coruscant, like the main air, open area of Coruscant, uh, the music track they use is that really nice, quiet rendering of the main Star Wars and Luke theme that plays when Obi Wan goes to deliver baby Luke to, oh, at yeah, the yeah. end of Episode Three. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And, and then like with the the Aleia theme that plays when when she comes to Alderaan with with Jimmy Smits. Yeah. And like it just that just kind of loops. It's like this like minute long thing that sort of loops, and it is just exactly right. It is just exactly that like feeling that the the Infinity Games kind of try to capture and generally do, where it's like this weird celebration of Disney and Marvel, and like you go into all the, these IPs. Yeah, you go into yeah. the Disney like like Hall of Heroes or whatever, and you go in and it's playing kind of that like. It's not from anything, but it sounds like it's from some like really triumphant Disney movie. Right. But it's like something you'd hear like on Main Street in Disneyland, and like yeah. the fireworks are going on over the over the, the and everybody's standing there, and like I got my I got the Tron figures, and like I I got the Tron figures statues up, and I'm just like yeah Tron. It's like it's super, <laughs> and like oh, and there's a Flynn's Arcade in the main hub, and it looks exactly like the Flynn's Arcade that they kept putting up at like Comic Con and stuff. Right. And when you go in, like they play the music from Tron Legacy, which is like the only thing I liked in Tron Legacy. Yeah. Like and it's like it was it's it's just the, the it's like you said with the Nintendo Spit Shine like the attention to detail and the attention to you know we know you love this stuff and here so you like, can tell it was made by fans for sure and it, was, it appeals to fans it was made by fans and it was made by you know you can tell it was Disney kind of saying like hey whatever you need to make this a great experience for people who love this do it and they did it and I think uh, you know 2.0 was cool like I liked what they were after but in 3.0 I think they. Got what they were after. I think. I think 3.0 is the game they've been trying to make for a long time. And if this is like the quality of like the Infinity going forward, like I'm in. Good. Like count me in. Cool. That's encouraging. All right. So last week was PAX, which how do you even look at PAX in this day and age? Because it's. It's kind of evolved, because I always looked at it as like an indie event, and then like all the major games kind of came in and took over for a while. How do you look at PAX now? I think think the indies have come back and kind of take... I mean, the the big players are there, but, you know, I think a very concerted effort has been made on the part of the organizers and, to some degree, the press that goes to PAX to really feature the indies and feature the the community more than... But is that more the publishers, though? Because the publishers control that because yeah. if they wanted to they well i mean there's mitigating factors but if they really wanted to they could bring a new build to pax they could but i feel like that you know you've just had e3 you've just had comic-con you've just had gamescom like how much time do you want to divert for your dev team to keep making new builds of demo shit well i think that's too much they... already yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I mean, well, already, you're, already you're seeing people pick E3 or Gamescom, like with Scalebound and right. stuff like that. So but my I, point was is that it's not the journalists making the decision because when the publishers bring in the same bills that the journalists have already covered, like probably too much, in all mm-hmm. honesty. If, it, if you ever work as a content curator for Sifted, you, you will see that some of this stuff is just covered to almost a mundane level. So you, the journalists have already covered this stuff. There's nothing else they can wring out of these demos or these builds... So, at that point, they have to cover indie games. And I agree with you. Indie totally came back. And the game we're looking at right now, I I guess I would kind of call it an indie game. So, this is Lawbreakers, which is Cliff Blazinski's new game. I think it's indie. I mean... Well, he signed to Nexon. He signed to Nexon, but they were... I think they were making it before that deal was closed. 
uh, I actually have some insider information that I can't particularly share oh, okay. on this game. No, seriously, I do. But it has been in, in the works with Nexon for a long time, mm-hmm. I guess is the way I, I can put it, without sort of... Uh, well, I guess, like, you know, definition one way or the other, but it's also kind of like, do you, do you think... Cliff Blazinski got into a deal with Nexon where Nexon gets to call the shots. Like it's, it's it feels if it's not indie, then it's at least very creator. It's in the spirit of indie. Yeah. So I would agree with you. I think PAX has returned to an indie event. Like there were big games there. They didn't get a ton of coverage. The indies were the ones that really stole the show. This game is probably, I think, for most people, top three games of the show for PAX. You know, he could have shown this at E3. He could have shown it at Gamescom. He didn't. He waited till a community event like PAX, which I think was really smart. Cliff knows yeah. what he's doing, obviously. He's been in the industry a long time. I think this game looks awesome, by the way. Looks I'm good. really excited for it. It's, it's, I like it because it's a mix of old and new. It feels like an old-school arena shooter, but it has, like, all the new elements of recent shooters in it, other than wall running. <laughs> but it has, like, a grapple hook. It has, like, a force push. Mm-hmm. It has, like, intense melee components to it. Like, one of the characters has, like, two swords, and, like, you know, you need to get in and get in close to be effective with that character. So, I'm pretty excited about this game, Lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's a free-to-play game. They haven't really talked yet about the monetization of it, how that's going to work, but Nexon's obviously worked with the free-to-play model a ton. Yeah. And I think it probably has that secret sauce pretty well figured out at this point. I'm not really... And I think Cliff, too will be a good cop to be like, no, 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 we're not going to do this. I yeah, think he's got a good sense of what people will not accept in that He regard. knows what the cons- what, how the consumer is going to react yeah. to stuff. He's very good at figuring that out. And so I feel like they're going to handle the free-to-play stuff really well. I'm just wondering, though, there are so many free to not just free-to-play games, but free-to-play shooters mm-hmm. coming out and are already out. you got Team Fortress 2 you're trying to compete with. I don't know how successful it's going to be, but I'm really excited to play it. I, I mean, I got my eyes on I'm not a huge multiplayer shooter person, but I got my eyes on it because Cliff's making it. Yeah. I mean, like, that's another frankly, part of it, too, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, frankly, that's that's the whole thing is, like, here's the guy that, like, you know, came up through Unreal and Unreal Tournament. And, I mean, if anybody knows how to make something that feels like this genre should that also moves it forward but also, like surprises you again like yeah. it's got to be cliff like that's you know, he knows how to make shooters that give you that whole one more match yeah one more match yeah and then an hour later one more match and his team i mean i don't know much about the boss key team but i'm sure he has assembled he's put together a good like, team a, a pretty pretty decent group yeah and in fact one of the guys he used to work with me at uh, mtv and game trailers rohan Rivas. he's hit, yeah i knew rohan was you know rohan yeah. so he's like their community manager mm-hmm. slash video guy who works on their live streams and stuff like that and so i know that they have a good guy there to help promote the game and do a good job as far as making sure it's nice and spit shine before any promotional media goes out um mm-hmm. i think they've got a recipe for success here with this I game i think so i think i agree with that and i love the there was a twitter exchange where someone was like lawbreaker that wasn't taken? And, yeah. like, and Cliff said something like, I couldn't believe it either. Well, like, nobody... that is one thing I would say I don't like. I really don't like the name of the game at all. It's a little... I don't know what... It's a... I like Blue Streak, the original like prototype name, better like than Streak. Lawbreaker. Like, like Lawbreaker, it's like you're breaking the law. I guess it's breaking the laws of physics. Kind of. I don't know I mean, what the connotation I is. I like Blue Streak because it's the name of a Transformer. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas Lawbreaker is Casey Jones' catchphrase from Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> right. Turtles. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's where it came from. <laughs> it, could, it could have. <laughs> Cliff, Cliff loves Transformers. He, yeah, I mean, Cliff is a pop culture nerd just like the rest of us. So. But, um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I got, it's got my attention. That's all, and I think PAX is the right place to do it. I think it's... The thing about PAX is, like, the other thing you forget as being, I think, in 
in our world is like even though we've seen these things at E3, even though we've seen these things at Gamescom, this is the first time the American public right. has, in any place yeah, has gotten yeah. a chance to actually put their hands on these things. Well, I saw a couple like fan lists of like their five favorite things at, at PAX when I was kind of doing some research for our segment, and like they were all like Battlefront right. and like Just Cause Three, and I'm like, man, I've seen that so many times, I wouldn't even think to put that on a list. But you're right, this is the first and maybe probably only chance a lot of yeah. consumers get to play these games, and so their interpretation of what's big at the show is going to be a lot different than what ours is. And I think it's smart of the publishers. Like, the publishers seem to have learned, the big ones seem to have learned to kind of, like, just put your E3 or whatever demo on the floor, kind of sit back and let the community do, do its their job. Thing. Yeah. You know, it, it, and, and it's been very, it's been a little quiet. It was almost a quiet PAX where, like, you didn't see a bunch of announcements from there was Ubisoft like, or EA. Or we're going to go like over that. pretty much all of them in, yeah. in, like, 10 minutes max. And, so. like, <laughs> whereas the indie stuff had a lot more... To offer, and that was where you know you're going to get exposure, and people are going to yeah. pay attention, and people are going to try it. People, you know, that was the other thing is like, you know, even when you announce your new indie game, it's like you say, yeah, we're doing this, and you can go play it right over there, and then yeah. like you're going to get people talking about it. And that was always kind of the point of PAX, I think, in terms of sh- showcasing those games all the way back to stuff like Fez, and yeah. and it works. It clearly works for sure. So let's talk. Let's move on. We yeah. can't talk about each game for too long. So the next game we want to talk about is Headlander. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is probably the one I'm most interested in of all the so, ones shown. a Double Fine game. Yes. Although, from what I've been seeing, it actually has kind of been making the rounds for a while and has been pitched to mm-hmm. a lot of publishers. It's actually, I don't think, being developed strictly by Double Fine. Yeah, it sounds like a partnership. Yeah, there's kind. like a couple guys like who are building the game Adult and then Swim's involved they're somehow. like publishing it, quote yeah. unquote, which I guess maybe means it's not technically an indie since there's a publisher, but... I kind of look at any downloadable game as an indie game in this day and age. That's kind of how I, I look indie, at it. Uh, well, somewhat, but I'll, to me, indie is independently funded. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't care who publishes it. Like, if the publisher didn't give you any money for it, you're still an indie. you got to get published somehow. Yeah. An, well, indie, an indie film is still distributed to Fox Searchlight Pictures. Well, Lawbreakers is being funded by Nexon, so I guess that's yeah, technically not so that's not probably an indie. not indie. But it, it's in the, it's, again, it's in the spirit of the indie more than I would say the AAA. DIY studio, certainly, with yeah, yeah, starting yeah. his own studio. So let's talk about Headlander. This game looks absolutely insane. It's a side-scrolling action game. It's got platforming elements, but it's actually more like a Metroidvania-type yeah. game than like a Mario or a platforming game. And a big uh, big 70s sci-fi kind of Logan's Run uh, sensibility to it. Like, yeah. I really like the look of it. So it's all about, like, you're in the future, and it's everybody's heads have been preserved... <laughs> while they have other bodies attached to the heads. And the mechanics in the game basically amount to detaching the head from the body and then using the head separately from the body to solve puzzles and adventure. And also, as you can see, the animation's amazing. You also see in this trailer that the head can be attached to many things, mm-hmm. not just the original body. That is, this is my favorite thing in this whole trailer, is this horse guy. Yeah. Like the guy who, who gallops <laughs> like a horse. I don't know... I don't know what that is, but I like it. I mean, Double Fine did a good job signing this game or, yeah. or partnering for this game. It's exactly the exactly type of the game. Kind of thing. Their yeah. branding is all over the trailer for the game, which is, again is really smart because people expect games like this from Double Fine, which mm-hmm. makes it you know people more excited to check it out and it's more ingratiating to people knowing where it's coming from. Um, this game coming from just like the guys who are working on it probably would never would have had the impact it had at PAX if it was just them showing the game. So yeah. looks like they were smart. The game looks unique, looks different. 
it again, even though it is a side-scrolling kind of platformy game, it is a little different than a lot of indie games out there. Although Metroidvania games is kind of the other most popular indie genre. Yeah, it's starting to days. warm up. It yeah, is. But, yeah. But I, you know, all you need is that little, that little twist, that little hook, and I think the uh, that the, the the look, the '70s trappings, like really sell it. And the disembodied head. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't hurt either. A little Futurama reference. Yep. For the, for so definitely case. want to keep an eye, keep an eye on there. Pit People is another mm-hmm. game. Behemoth. Behemoth. Everybody seems to think that this was the first time this game was shown at PAX. Like, um, when we were curating content for it, a lot of it was like, a lot of their blurbs were like, the first ever look at this game. In actuality, Behemoth had put out like a 20-minute gameplay video of this like months ago. And you can find it on Sifted. Just use a search tool mm. and search Pit it's like People. The, first, the announcement of the title, basically. Or yeah, it was called like Game Four. Game Four. Yeah, they just call their games by a number. Yeah, the fourth it game. was Game Four up until this, and then they put out the debut trailer. It's like a grid-based strategy game, mm. but it is freaking bizarre. Like, I had this trailer running in the background while I was doing something else. And I never dreamed the audio coming from my computer was for this game. And so I start searching around, like, closing tabs, because I was like, what the hell is that? Like, is there is some, like, Flash ad, like, running in my browser somewhere? So I start closing tabs, and the sound won't go away. And then I find out, oh, my God, it's this trailer for Pit People that's running. The <laughs> audio in this game is freaking weird. Like... Looking at what you're seeing right now, you can't hear the audio, but trust me, go watch the trailer or that gameplay. It is bonkers, like what they've done with the audio design. I mean, the game itself is kind of bonkers yeah. in general. Certainly not your usual offering. And I know that you know they, they, make, they do a different genre every time. Well, they yeah. did. They're the, for those of you who don't know, they did Fat Princess. That's probably their biggest claim to fame. Castle Crashers. Oh, Castle, so I'm sorry. Castle, Castle Crashers. I always mix those two games yeah. up. But Castle Crashers they are kind and, of similar. Uh, Battle Block Theater and yeah. like Castle Crashers is there, there and everybody wants a Castle Cra- Castle Crashers too, but Behemoth doesn't make sequels. Yeah, they they make a new genre every time. The and art in this game looks just like Castle oh, yeah. Crashers. Well, I, have, I think they, I saw some of the characters from Castle Crashers. Yeah, well, they definitely have shot. a house style for yeah. sure. Um, but like it's you know they make a new genre every time, and now they've picked a genre that is not the most popular thing in the world. Uh, but I, it's one of my favorite genres, the strategy RPG thing. And I, and here's, here's one of the things I like I about love it. I love it too, by the way. I love, you know, I love the strategy RPGs where like, and this is one of, you know, this is one of them. It's like, it's like a game called RoboSport. Not exactly like RoboSport, but it was a game on the Mac called RoboSport. It was EA, it was Will Wright, I think, was actually RoboSport. And like, you pick your moves and then you hit go, and everybody goes. Yeah. Like I like the you know I I I like the fire emblem kind of one guy at a time thing, but I love the whole everybody moves thing. It's like the and, cause and effect thing. Yeah. Like there's some stuff type, can type change of... immediately, and you're like no, and like, yeah. like and all of a sudden the your strategy just goes out the window, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't. But it's great. It, I it, love that too. I love pushing the button and then just sitting there and waiting for everything to happen. Like there's yeah. that it's that level of like anticipation because you know it's coming. Yeah. Like when you're playing a game that's like real time, it's like you're constantly inundated with decision, consequence, decision, consequence. It just flows. Mm. But when you know you're about to see the consequences of your decisions and you know it's going to happen, when you click that button, like there's just some kind of feeling that like comes over you like mm-hmm. right before it and then it happens. Yeah. And then it's a lot of times it's unpredictable. Like I'm really excited for this game. Yeah, like, it looks good. I mean, I'm I uh I'm not a huge fan of kind of like a lot of the the humor they use. Like I don't yeah. I don't know if I need like tons of farting mushrooms yeah. in, in my strategy <laughs> game really, but like, but I I like the idea. I like the two player co op thing. I like that like you can build your own army and sort of like team up with someone and like take stuff on that way. It, it's I and it's it's the behemoth. They they've never made a bad game. You're right. I don't think yeah. so. So bring it, bring yep. it on. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm all about it. 
Okay, and then the next game we're going to talk about, which is, I think has kind of turned into everyone's game of the show from PAX, mm -hmm. and that game is Hob. 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 As we wait for Zelda. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> we turn to the indies. Yeah, here's the thing, though. I mean, do you think it's really possible to make a game that can compete with a game like Zelda on an indie budget? Like... I want to say no, but I, you, know, you never, you never I know. I mean, I'll say you no. You never know. I'll just say it right now. No, it's not possible. And so the next thing that my mind jumps to is, okay, well, if it's episodic. But mm. would you like a Zelda game that's episodic? Well, I'd wait until it was all out. Right, but, but see, here's the thing about a Zelda game is that, like, everything's all twisted together and entwined. Yeah. And when you do something episodic, it's very hard to make that design style mm -hmm. work. Well, also, like, everything needs to be like self-contained. And here's one chunk. Here's another chunk. Here's yeah. a third one. Like, and you can't have that thing where like you come to a thing early on and you're like, "What the hell is this? I can't interact with. It. I don't have a thing. I need to do this." Yeah. Because then, then you have to come back when you have the, the torch of obsidian melting or whatever, and then you do that, and then you right. go into a new area. But it's like I have enough trouble remembering those things when I play a self-contained game as opposed That's to an episodic game. Months later, you can't I know. expect me to go back and be like, "Oh yeah, that thing." And it's like it, it's. It, I don't think you can divide a game like that up into chunks like that. So I assume this is a. I mean, here's a, the other a game that's kind of similar thing. to this. That's a Zelda clone that's supposed to be like an indie game is Rhyme, right. and that game was shown at E3 last year. I was really excited to see it at the show this year. Yeah, that was one of your picks. Never showed it. Hmm. Ne just completely. So, this game, we're seeing it now. <laughs> but I wonder, I mean, maybe they've worked on it already for a couple of years. But, I mean, without a huge team working on a game like this, so, one, I question how good the quality can be. Somewhat, one, two, the, I wonder if it's like a three-hour game. It's that like, could be. How like, can you make a three-hour Zelda game, though? You lose know. everything that makes that genre what it is it is the torchlight guys though so i mean they i know they've had some shakeups over there at runic but like you know it's these are and they're in a new genre this is not a diablo style game right so like, you know but but i you know these are they're pretty damn good at what they do i think if, if this is something they want to make i think they'll be able to pull off whatever they're trying to make and it's hard to get a pin down like is this a giant epic adventure right you know, sprawling Zelda-sized game. Is it not? And and your point to the episodic, like, I wonder, you know, there's no, is, I don't think they've said it's episodic. They haven't, you know, no. I was just saying, if right. that's the way you're going to do it, but if you were, wouldn't work. But if you were going to do it, like the, one of the things in, in the in the trailer is they've got all the, the moving pieces and the, you know, the, the moving platform kind of thing where it's like the world changes in front of you or like yeah. constantly changing. Well, one way to do an episodic version of Zelda is every time, the every new episode, the whole world is shifted. Or it's just randomly it's generated, just, yeah, because like it that. is different every time. And which, in in which case, I don't think you're gonna get, this, get the same kind of satisfaction as a Zelda game. Yeah. So you're probably gonna let some people down with that. But I mean, we don't really know anything. Yeah. The, the information is pretty cryptic so far. I love this trailer that we keep looping over and yeah. over. I love what they've shown of it so far in the trailers. I'm really intrigued by it. All the reports coming out of PAX were extremely positive. So definitely another one to keep an eye on. I mm -hmm. think at least. And then the other big story from PAX, actually probably the biggest overall story, was Nintendo's new focus on indie games. Nintendo did its first ever indie-only event. It was called like Nindies at Night. So that's like Nintendo's little catchphrase for indie games, Nindies. Well, <laughs> it was like a 30-minute like press conference that they did where they rolled out like basically you could see that they've went out and basically curated a lot of the best indie games to make sure that they're coming to Wii U. Now, a lot of them are indie games that have already been released on other systems or are coming to other systems. 
Uh, one of the exclusive deals that they did do was for the game you're seeing right now. And basically, Shovel Knight is coming, the expansion and the full game of Shovel Knight are coming to Wii U with Amiibo support. There's going to be a Shovel Knight Amiibo. Now, at first, the rumors started floating around about the Shovel Knight Amiibo. A lot of people thought that Shovel Knight was going to be in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I think we curated a couple stories where people said that that might be the case. It turns out it was not. They are just going to release Shovel Knight for the Wii U. Not yet. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, who knows where that character will yeah. end up. Once you have the Amiibo out, you can do whatever you want with it. So, you think this is a good, this is a good idea for Nintendo to for finally sure. get I, on the indie train? I was a little shocked that Shovel Knight wasn't already on the Wii U. Yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising, so isn't it? obvious. Like, like a no-brainer, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think if... You know, if the big third parties won't play ball, go the other direction. Because you know, this is this is where Nintendo, I feel like, really failed. Like, it look, it knew that it was going to lose third-party support for the Wii U pretty quickly. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the way Nintendo consoles have been since, really, the N64. I mean, it had decent support, but the GameCube really was like, yeah. okay, two years, we're done. And so, best-case scenario, Nintendo's got to say, okay, the first two years, maybe we're covered by third parties. Indie games are what fill in the library. All this summer, when there were no AAA games to play for Xbox One or PlayStation 4, there was tons of great indie games to play, and it kept people busy, like Rocket League and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, there's just always been some little cool experiment to fiddle around with, or something to keep you busy while you wait for the next big game. Nintendo does not have this. Like, you're basically sitting there like, when is the next first party game coming? So, mm. they finally found a way to fill the holes in the Wii U's co- or software cycle, but... That doesn't even really matter anymore at this point. No, but they got the to get, get it in place for the NX. Exactly. They got to build the, those relationships and The other thing is they need to figure out how to present this stuff so people know about it. Right. Like, one of the big things on the, you know, I don't have the Wii U, but I do have a 3DS that I play pretty regularly and sometimes I'll go on, you know, the 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 store on there and look through the, you know, whatever game. Usually I'm looking for virtual console stuff. Right. But, and sometimes I find like you know digital only releases on the Nintendo eShop that are like, how did I not know this was out? Like, it, like, yeah. like there's like the the Yokai Watch stuff or, or Attack of the Monsters. I can't remember what it was, but it was like this great kind of visual novel sort of game about monsters and, and demons and stuff in Tokyo. And like it had been out for like six months by the time I found it on the eShop, and I'm like. And I, I was like, when it was great. It was, yeah. I was like, I can't believe I didn't play this until now. It's, Discovery it, it, it is need, the problem, They need though. to kind of curate this stuff. So, I mean, maybe the Wii U has a, a feature like that, but the 3DS sure as hell doesn't. Yeah, I mean, curation is a problem for every... For, yeah. for all online marketplaces, Discovery is a big challenge and a big issue. I mean, it's the same for movies on Xbox Live or PSN, like... When you have that much... I mean, it's the reason SIFT it exists. When you have that much of anything, it's very hard to simmer it down to the stuff that you really care about and without asking people what they care about. And so that's kind of the conundrum. Like, a lot of these places don't want to ask their users, like, what do you like? And at SIFT we were like, no, we are going to ask you what do you like because if a company like Apple can't figure it out with the billions of dollars that they have... And the small army of editors and curators. Yeah, I mean, if they can't figure it out, no one else is going to be able to figure it out. So it, eventually it does come down to the fact that like, either you look at the data that the users are giving you, which is basically spying and a lot of people don't like, and I personally don't like, or you have to ask them like what they right. like. And a lot of people don't like that because they have to do something. So 
You know, there's no simple answer to it, but you're right. Like, you know, every day we curate content and Nintendo puts out like 10 trailers a day for eShop games. Like literally, you don't even know they're coming out. They're just stealth release. Like we'll curate well, like, Where are they? YouTube? On or? their YouTube channel. And we'll, look, we curate the big ones. Like we curated like the Sin and Punishment one the other day, mm. but there are literally like every day, 10 like new releases for the eShop that they put out like a little gameplay trailer that lasts like 30 seconds and it just shows it running on the Wii U, like gamepad or whatever, but they're there, but they're totally like stealth launch. Like you never know they're coming out. So I don't know. It's so weird. Cause like it seems, it, sometimes it almost seems like Nintendo is happy with this <laughs> tiny little group of people that just play Nintendo games and kind of get it, yeah. you know, but it's like, you can't survive yeah. on that kind of They survive audience. and they thrive. They well, sell, they, well, they survive. They can't make enough Amiibos. Well, the Amiibos, yeah. Or the Amiibo, like, I guess, is the plural of Amiibo. Oh, yeah. Amiibo <laughs> is, is always lowercase and it's just Amiibo. Yeah. Amiibo. It's like, really? Like, well, that's like when Nintendo. I, I went, one of the things I went back to uh, to clean out my uh, all my old room because uh, my mom was moving out of my old, uh, you know, the house I grew up in and I got a big trunk full of all this stuff. And one of the things that was in it was a whole bunch of old, early 2000s E3 press stuff from when I first started going. I was just about and to it ask was, this. It was the, it's the GameCube. I know, I was yep. going to ask this. Yep. Yeah. The, <laughs> Nintendo, you know what I'm talking about. The I 2001 did, yeah. E3 press conference Nintendo GameCube handout thing. And in it is like all this press stuff and all this like, but there's a sheet, like an info sheet, press fact sheet on the GameCube. And at the end of it, in this little bullet point thing, it says, Nintendo GameCube is to be referred to as Nintendo GameCube, all in caps. All in caps. They basically told the press that the press needed to spell GameCube in all capital letters. Yeah. And the press said, screw you. Nope. And instead, we just intercap the C. Yep. And eventually, Nintendo gave up, and they started intercapping the C in GameCube. <laughs> yep. I knew what you were going to bring that up. That's exactly what I was thinking. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a step in the right direction for Nintendo. They also showed off that awesome racing game, Fast Racing Neo, which is like an F-Zero clone. How hilarious is it that Nintendo won't give us an F-Zero game? Yet well, they, they, they focus the on a ripoff of F-Zero. It was probably the game that was shown the longest during their Nindies, like event. Mm -hmm. They showed it for like a good like 10 or 15 minutes because they know we're starving for an F-Zero. Yeah. And if that developer's going to give it to us, at least Nintendo should let its, its consumer base Well, when was the last F-Zero Nintendo actually made? N64? Because yeah. they, they, right. they went and got Sega to do the GameCube one. Yep, and the Sega right. one was great. But like, a little hard. A little hard. I remember, oh, <laughs> a I remember, lot hard. I remember going to that event with you. Like, we went for, <laughs> went for X-Play, and, like, and I came back, and I'm like, have you won anything yet? He's like, I haven't, you're like, I haven't even gotten seventh. Like, I don't even right. know. It's just doesn't even, it's, it's insanely hard. <laughs> well, the campaign in that game oh, goes yeah. down as one of the hardest things ever. But I kept playing played. it over and over just to hear the music. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it was just fun. <laughs> it was so fast and, yeah, great game. So, so yeah, I guess let's put a bow on PAX. Yeah. I would say pretty much typical PAX show. I mean, the other big game they showed that was shown for the first time was Minecraft Story Mode. Like, they talked about how you can create your own character in that. Mm -hmm. Um... But, you know, that's supposed to be a big blowout. They did give the press hands-on with it, but they only got to play it for, like, 15 minutes. I mean, the impressions were pretty positive for yeah, it. I but... mean, you want to talk about a review-proof game. I mean, yeah. that, that thing's either going to be the biggest, the, uh, the second biggest thing ever after Minecraft, or it's going to, or no one's going to care. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I, think, I don't think there's a medium ground for this game. I think it's going to either hit and catch fire, or it's just going to be, it's just going to American Ultra out. But overall, I would say PAX kind of came and went without most people knowing it happened. 
There yeah. was no big story. There is not one huge story that came out of the show. I'd say, I mean, I think Lawbreaker is the biggest story that came out of PAX, really. I mean, but we already knew about it. It wasn't, yeah, I mean, we got the name and we got the first gameplay footage. That's something. That's I mean, something. Yeah. But still, that's Cliff, not Cliff a big... back. Yeah, you know, I mean, no good. disrespect to Cliff and the guys that work there, but that's not a huge story. No, but I mean, it's it's cool to see him on you know on social media tweeting about his yeah, game. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Know? Yeah. Like you know, and and I kind of missed that. I remembered how much I missed that when he did the Gears facts. Where I was like, yeah. you know, it was really cool when Cliff had something going and he sort of parcel out little ideas and little facts. Or he demo like, Gears he on in press conferences. Yeah. He had a lot of energy and excitement for the games, yeah. and and yeah. it's gonna be interesting. You know. Now that we're in this world of Twitch and all, you know, they, I know they, they did a live stream with, uh, with Blair Herter uh, to, to show the game off the first time. Like, now that we're in this kind of era, it's cool to see him come back and, like, you, you know he's going to leverage that really oh, yeah. well. <laughs> and it's going to be a really cool ride. It could be bad, too, with him. It, I mean, yes, he's very honest in his interactions <laughs> with him, but it's like, you know. That's why we love him, though. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. and he speaks his mind, and he, and he you know, but he, he always makes what he thinks is the best game he can make, and, yeah. and he puts himself into it. You know, I think with that Gears thing, he really, he really showed, like, Gears. Is you wouldn't think it to play it necessarily, yeah. but it's a very personal game to him, yeah. and I think he's gonna, you know, maybe put the more energetic, actiony side of himself into this one too, and, and make it what he always wanted to play. Yep. So, good deal. All right, so it's time to move on. We're gonna talk about Madden NFL 16. We're gonna talk about it very uh-huh. briefly. Um, obviously, I understand a lot of you guys don't like sports games, although I mentioned it last week, and some people were like, "Hey, I do like sports games." So. This one's for you. We are going to talk about it very quickly. And just one thing I wanted to say is our game of has not gone up yet. I am working on it. I lost my Madden save, by the way. Fumble. Yeah, man. (laughs) I had already played like a ton of the franchise, and my system never uploaded my save to the cloud. So Sony really needs to expand the cloud. They need to fix it. Yeah. And so if I don't get my old console to work again, which I'm looking into, like, getting it repaired, the HDMI port repaired instead of, you know, using the new one I just bought, if I can't get that, I have to start the whole thing all over again, which really stinks. So Madden has been getting crazy high scores this year. Crazy high scores. And, like, there were years past where I was an outlier, and I would give Madden a good score, and everyone would just be like, it's the same thing all over again. And, like, I'm, you know, I'm a huge football guy, and I would be like, no, it's not. Like, if you actually mm. play this game for more than, like, three days to review it and start digging into it, you'll see that there's a lot different about this game. And so, reviews went up. It's getting, like, eights and nines, and, like, I, I got it late. Like, I didn't get it until, like, the day before it came out or something like that. And I was expecting, like, I was like, man... These people who usually hate on Madden are loving it. I'm like, this game is going to be the shit. And I've now played it for a good week, and I don't get it, man. I really do not get where this is coming from. First of all, all the advancements that everyone's touting, like the, the big advance that everyone's talked about in all the reviews and, and EA promoted before it came out was like this new catch mechanic. So basically, once you've thrown a pass and the receiver is waiting for the pass to come, you have three different buttons you can press. One is to like go up and get the ball. One is for a possession catch to just make sure you catch it. And the other one is to make sure that the guy runs as soon as he gets it. So it's a run after the catch type thing. Which, And there's risk rewards involved. Like if you try to run after the catch, there's a chance you turn up field before the ball gets there and you don't catch it. And like if you try the possession catch, like you basically just fall down as soon as you catch it. What I found is that just throwing the ball to the receivers, they do it all automatically. And you don't have to deal with, like, the detrimental part of it. (laughs) It's like, it hasn't changed. And then the other part is like, okay, there's these crazy quarterback commands now where 
when you throw a ball to a receiver, you can like double tap the pass button and it'll lob it over. Or you can hold like shoulder buttons while you throw the It has become the most complicated mess of a sports game. And the crazy part is, is I play the game how I've always played it. Like you can use the analog stick to lead receivers into like an empty part of the field. You can hold up to throw it a little high. I play it the same way I've always played it, and it works just as well as using these crazy cockamamie controls mm. that they've instituted. The other thing about Madden that they always do is they say, hey, we have this new feature, but it's really an old feature that they repackage and relabel, and that's exactly what I feel like this pass-catching stuff is in the quarterback controls. Like, it really doesn't add anything to the game, which, fine, Madden was pretty good last year, like, you know, Re-releasing that game with new rosters is a rip-off, but at least it would still be a good game. But the thing is, is that, like, this Madden, it, it really doesn't do anything new, and people have rewarded it as if it does. And so mm. it's this weird, like, world that I just read these reviews, and I'm like, but last year's game did the same thing. It was just called something else. And so people who are watching this show right now and you're thinking about buying Madden because you've seen all these crazy reviews that say it changes the game like crazy drastically, it really doesn't. And the other problem I've had is a ton of glitches. I've had the game crash. I, I started a franchise. I played to the fifth game of that franchise. And look, man, playing franchise games, it takes a lot of time. Went to save it, it just completely crapped out. Didn't mm. save it. it, it some message came up said, saving to the cloud. Can't save to the cloud. Crapped out, lost all my franchise. Wow. Yeah. It's like the game has crashed during gameplay, like in menu screens. It's gone to like the main menu screen that has like OBJ, like they're animating, like basically the splash screen, and it's just died. I'm unable to like use any buttons. Like, and look, this is like PS4 retail already patched. Like, I don't know how these people have not discovered all these problems. So, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how shiny are the helmets? <laughs> the helmets still are not perfectly round, by the way. Really? Even with all the polygons <laughs> that the systems can push, they're still not perfectly round. They show a close-up of the helmets after every game, and you can still see, like, the polygons <laughs> in them, which blows wow. my mind. Like, I don't know where the polys are going, that they can't uh, make a round helmet. So like, I can't really speak to the game, because I haven't, A, haven't played it, and B, I'm a super casual football fan. Right, right. Um... But just so people at home know, let me explain to you. Um, uh, Shane here like knows football probably better than any anyone else I know personally. Um, I watch a he lot. He is he is of the football. he is the quintessential Philly sports fan. No, I'm like, not a Philly fan. Well, no, I'm not a fan about? of Philly, but like I know Phil, people people from Philadelphia tend to be like sports fans they on this like really super well, crazy yeah. level of You're like. Right. Stat, they can rattle stats off back to like three generations ago yeah. off the top of their head. Like they just know the game and they know everything about it. I mean, uh, fantasy drafts at Shane's house are things of legend in yeah. Los Angeles. <laughs> um, I don't go to them because I wouldn't pass the entrance exam. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have, just to put it in perspective, I'm in five fantasy leagues this year. <laughs> five. Like I watch pretty much. I have Sunday ticket. I watch pretty much every game at once. I mm -hmm. watch eight games at once on my like. I know football. I know. Football video games. I've been reviewing them. I reviewed every Madden for GT from the day I walked in the door until the day I walked out. I reviewed all the Madden games for mm. X-Play for all those years. I reviewed sports games at GameSpot when I was there. Me and Ryan Mack would tag team sports games there. Um, and I'm telling you, like, this game is nothing special, man. Like, 
I will say one thing that impressed me with this game is the animation and the visuals. Like, some of the tackling animations literally, like, blew my mind, some of the stuff that the players do. Like, the the context-specific animations, like, just after a play, when players are, like, walking back to the huddle, they'll kind of run into each other and bump into each other. It used to be this very awkward thing. Now it's just, like, smooth as butter, man. Like, they'll all get out of each other's way and, like, tap each other on the shoulder pads, like... There's lots of cool little details in the graphics, but as far as playing this game, I am not impressed, Matt. I am really, after seeing all those reviews, I was like, woohoo, like Madden's back, baby, <laughs> and like, I'm not seeing it. So, to sum things up, to not spend too much time on it, if you are one of these people who've stepped away from Madden all these years, you're seeing all these big review scores, I would seriously wait until the Sifted Gaming Valve before pulling the trigger. There's plenty of other mm. stuff to play in the meantime, anyway. So all, all I'll add is that if Shane says it about football, I believe it. Yeah. So <laughs> listen, listen to the man. I appreciate that. So next we're going to move on to one topic. The only topic in this week's show that is not game specific. Like normally we have to find other like cultural topics or controversies to talk about. Now this week has been an avalanche. Not so much. Like, and in fact, I think probably for the rest of the year, Game Face is probably going to have mostly game specific topics unless something crazy happens. Um, but we did need to fill one spot this week and we are going to talk about Twitch. And we've talked about it before on this show, but it just seems like every other week some new thing happened with with Twitch that you're just like, what? Like, what's going it's on over there? It's evolving really quickly. That world. and it has to. Yeah. And it's and now Twitch is being forced to evolve because YouTube just launched its streaming service, and so there's all this competition. The two companies have actually acted really petty and like juvenile, mm. like throwing barbs each. And that's one thing I'll say about Twitch. Like, they kind of act like a little jerk sometimes. Like. They're really kind of conceited and like, I don't know. They act juvenile, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. Like, they don't well, act like a huge corporation that's like massively successful. Well, I think, you know, you never, I think they're a very young company in terms of the ages of the people who are involved. And, uh, well, they need to so, age up their management well, because their management literally acts like little punks sometimes. Well, I see in that, I, I, I am just reminded of, you know, it's like the company that thinks they're invincible and they're not, they're not, you know, if YouTube wants to move into that space, they are going to be a serious threat. And oh, yeah. I don't know if Twitch is really taking them serious. I don't know if Twitch believes that YouTube can pull the viewers away from Twitch because Twitch is sort of the original, Twitch slash Justin TV is sort of the original which thing. Fine. Which is fine. But it's like, there's so many story, you know, it's like so many stories in the tech space of people who like, we're on top, we're the big dog, we don't have to adjust for these, th and they lose it all. You look know, at like, Sony. Look at Sony. <laughs> Perfect look example. At, look at MySpace. Five, 599 US dollars. Yeah. They were, they were so full of themselves, they're like, people will buy our machine. Get another job to afford a PS3. Yeah, exactly. That? Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Yeah, funny how that worked out. <laughs> Although they are doing okay now. Yeah, so. they did fine in the end. <laughs> Ultimately. But, but that's the thing is Sony had the had the war chest and the and the backing and the size to absorb their mistakes. Whereas yeah. like you don't I mean, you know, and also Sony's a brand that goes back to the nineties with PlayStation. Like you don't know I don't know if there's that much brand loyalty with Twitch. I, mean, I don't think there is. And maybe right. I, I yeah. don't think that there is. Although, you know, the people who are streaming on there are making a good bit of money off of Twitch. Although, you know, I don't hear Stories about people getting rich from Twitch. No, PewDiePie is on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Like, you you hear people getting rich from YouTube, yeah. but you don't hear about people getting rich from Twitch. Nope. Like, in fact, you don't even really hear about people making, like, good money on Twitch. 
I can't recall. Well, I mean, maybe like maybe it's out there. I don't I've, know. But like, I, don't... I look at stories all damn day working yeah. on Sifted, and I've never seen a story where someone was like, "Hey, look how much money I made on Twitch!" <laughs> like, or someone else saying, "Look how much money that guy made on Twitch!" Like, you don't see it. No. So, like, you see people like like the guy who made uh, Five Nights at Freddy's clearly made money off of what people were doing on Twitch because yeah. it sold his copies of his game. Right. But in terms of people who actually are the streamers, are the streamers? I don't know if that exists. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong; it's really cool to be able to make any money at all sitting there playing sure. a video game in front of other people live. Like, you know, we're talking about games live on Twitch right now. So, I look, I get it. But they're awful cocky for a company that's in, a, in its yeah. infancy. And I've watched some live stream YouTube stuff, and it works pretty damn well. Yeah, and I it's going to work really damn yeah. well. And they're going to keep dumping money into it until it works better than Twitch, I guarantee it. And, no, and Twitch knows that, too. And so I, see, I feel like Twitch is getting a little defensive. But anyway, we've got off on a tangent, as we yeah. often Contracts. do on the show. Let's go back to this topic. Basically, what came out this week is... When YouTube launched its service, and a lot of the people on Twitch who are, who are Twitch's biggest streamers wanted to go and try out YouTube, but Twitch was like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You need to go back and read what you signed mm. when you became a partner with us. And all the, here's the thing. You, like right now, if we wanted to serve ads against GameFace, we can't make money. You have to have X amount of people watching your stream on average before you can even sign up for the program to make money on Twitch. Twitch. And look, I honestly don't even know if Twitch is still serving ads against this. I'd be interested to see in our comments if the people who watch the show have to watch any ads while they're watching it or if they have to watch an ad when they first sign up. That, God, would, be some, that would be some really dirty pool if Twitch is basically saying, oh, we'll make money off your stream, but for you to make money off of it, you have to hit like this certain threshold. Like, I don't know how it works or what the deal is with that. But so what happened is is Twitch basically said, oh, no, 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 no. If you signed up to make money with us, you didn't read the fine print because what it says in there is that you are exclusive to Twitch. Mm. And so you have all these people. <laughs> Got to read that EULA. Yeah, but who <laughs> reads them, man? Yeah. It's like that South well, Park. That's, that's one thing. Uh, well, do you mean like the contract? It's not the contract to create the account. It's the account to sign up to be a partner or whatever, right? Like, you read that one. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's why people have agents in, in show business. It's like but that. here's the thing. These are kids, man. They're like, oh, I just got my live gamer portable and I can stream now. And like, next thing they know, they're like, they've got this huge audience of people watching them. Like, these people, these companies don't care. These companies no, are trying to sell them all Amiibos. No, this like, is the point I'm making. Twitch took advantage of these oh, yeah. people. Like, Twitch is not your friend. No, they're not your friend at all. And this no. proves it. Like, they, they, You are just a source of income to them, yeah. and that's all there is to it. Like, And the audience... Here's the thing. like, Their audience is so big, they've become like this snowball rolling mm -hmm. downhill at this point that it's like... Mm -hmm. You know, YouTube is going to have to incentivize people to leave Twitch. Like, they're going to have to basically say, okay, man versus game. <laughs> we will buy you out of your contract, basically. Yeah. And we'll pay whatever it costs for us to get you away from Twitch to come over and become a streamer on YouTube live. But they've got the money to do that. They do so. have the money to do it. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm glad YouTube is doing what they're doing because I think... Maybe not right now, but eventually, especially when things like that are coming to light, eventually Twitch being the only game in town in that in that space could get real scary. Yeah, you know, because like a there's no incentive to be any better, because you know that the old Madden argument basically where it's like no other NFL game is being made, so why would you improve your existing one? Because you're the only game in town, and then you know YouTube like 
I hope will keep them on their toe. You know, you want that competition going back and forth, and uh, it's going to be real interesting to see. It's going to be real interesting to see if, because people, you know, we we're too young to remember this, but it's not entirely off of what happened when TV networks were starting to kind of come and radio networks are starting to kind of come into existence where like you had to build your stable of reasons to for people to tune into you versus that into NBC versus CBS yeah and like you're going to kind of see this like I think you're gonna see this kind of like network war between YouTube gaming or YouTube streaming and Twitch oh for sure and like that could turn out to be real good for viewers. It could, well, it could be good for viewers. It will guarantee. But be good eventually, for viewers. you're going to have to have the talent contracts are going to have to stabilize somehow. And it's, I said this when we talked about it. It's going to be great for viewers because yeah. it's going to push their services to get better. But here's who it's going to be really good for is ultimately the streamers. Yeah. Because they're going to end up in the middle of these bidding wars between Twitch and YouTube. And mm-hmm. look, I'm glad it's And out that's there. where the real money gets made. That's where you will finally see. Hey, yeah. this Twitch guy made a ton of right. money. Be- well, because I, you know, I, I mentioned this back when we talked about PewDiePie's yearly income, where people are freaking out, it's like, oh my god, seven million. That's like he's making so much ridiculous amount of money to play. And I'm like, to, to play video games online. And I'm like, dude, he served eight billion yeah. views. Well, you don't and realize he only made seven million. I'm like, yeah. you don't, even, you don't even get a major movie star in the building for that much money. Like he should be making a lot more. Well, than what that. you don't realize is that YouTube oh, made YouTube like made eighty yeah. million dollars off sure. of those views. But like, what I'm saying is like, you know, if this competition heats up between YouTube and Twitch, you could finally see if the the streamers and the and the and, you know and the players kind of like play their cards right. They could end up with a much fairer deal, for you know, f- to be these important draws. Oh, there'll you know? have to be, and, and there's going to be agents popping up to agents, represent these people. Possibly, and... you might even end up with some kind of SAG interest, Screen Actors Guild interest. Yeah, I mean, it, you could. This is going to change. This is going to, you know, this could be the beginning where you know, years from now, people could point to this little competition heating up right now. People could point to this as the legitimization of the internet. That's true. In terms of like it could be an entertainment the, medium. The genesis like of it all. Yeah. For sure. And, and whether you think it... whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, kind I mean, of look, to you, a, but a lot like... of YouTubers already have agents. Yeah. Like CAA opened up a YouTube wing CAA like three Maker, years ago. Maker's been handling a lot of that stuff. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a real thing and it's it's happening and at a certain point, uh, even if they're kids, even if they're doing these, you know, even if what they're doing you think is stupid, they have an audience, they have eyeballs, they have play, they have draw, and they deserve to be paid for that. And it's all about eyeballs, man. Yeah. That's what it really comes down to when you're talking about money. And especially since they have the eyeballs of a generation that is exceptionally difficult to get eyeballs from. Yeah, because they're all cutting the cord and leaving yeah. television. And they're, you know, the 18 to 34 year old male is always going to be the demo so, that everybody yeah. wants to hit. And so get ready these to millennials see millennials some... in five years. Yep. So get ready to see some real interesting corporate entities start to circle this this shark tank a little bit, I think. But here's what I would also say, just to kind of close it out, is that Twitch needs to grow up. Like, yeah. it can't act like a little punk kid on the corner, like, who's getting its lunch taken. Like, it needs to act like it's an adult, like, like a real corporation yeah. acts. It's going to have to start learning that it can't swindle its talent. Because that's the other thing, too, is, like, these people are talent now. Mm-hmm. And... and Talent watches how things work, and they watch how net. Because I mean, Twitch is a network. YouTube yeah. Live is a network. I mean, let's just extrapolate TV out onto the internet now. They're networks. They're TV yeah. networks, and so you know they're going to be watching. The talent is going to watch. How are they treated at YouTube? How are they treated at Twitch? Oh, they signed maybe signed this agreement that I didn't even know was there, and mm-hmm. like they didn't have like a big disclaimer saying, "Hey, make sure you know you're exclusive to us when you sign this." Like should have been bullet pointed in there somewhere, and it wasn't. So. 
Twitch has got to clean up its yeah. game. Well, Twitch is either going to have to learn that, or they're going to have to be taught it. Yeah. And I have a feeling it's going to be the latter. Yeah, you but, may be right. But um, it'll happen, because at a certain point, you're going to have a reality, you know, YouTube, you know, YouTube Live is going to hit a point where it's like shit's going to get real for for Twitch, and they're going to have to, you know, play ball in a way that they haven't yet, yeah. and uh, that's when it's going to get uh, interesting to watch. Yep. So let's move on to the last topic of the big six. The other big game to come out this week, at least we thought it was going to be big. Mad Max. Mad Max. Mad Max. Mad Max. Mad Max. I'm about five hours in it. Yeah, um, I've only played it for like two hours. I, but I don't honestly don't know if I want to play it anymore. I like it. I don't love it. I like it. We have somebody else handling that gamey Val, and yeah. so I wish them luck. But it feel, I mean, it, I like the way all all the individual pieces feel. I don't know if they're more than the sum of their parts. I don't know if they all come together to form a particularly cohesive whole. But I enjoy fighting cars. I enjoy. The, the 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 chunkiness of the the fist of, the fisticuffs. Yeah. Um, the guns feel great. The explosions are great. Like the characters are fine. Like it's a solid B. I just and like I've seen no reason for this game to exist, Matt. None. Like it is just like every generic open world game ever made, except mm-hmm. except it's set someplace that's just infinitely boring and dull. <laughs> It's like driving from one location to another. It's just a flat brown wasteland. I mean, it is called yeah. the wasteland. It is the wasteland. Yeah, but I, it's just... It, I'm reminded of... Um, that's kind of how I felt about Red Faction Gorilla. Yeah. Where I was just like, it's just red. Every, it's just I'm driving to that tower so I can knock the tower down, and hopefully when the tower falls over, I'll be like, oh, physics. You know? Yeah. And like, <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm doing here, except I'm using a harpoon. Yeah. You know? And like, <laughs> instead of a sledgehammer. And it, I mean, it, I'm having fun. I... I am just not having fun with I'm the game, I'm having fun. Matt. Just I, I like the setting. I like... Ma- the, my biggest complaint right now with that game... Why does Max look like every other generic video game protagonist? Like, Who in, looks in, like... He looks exactly like Joel from The Last of Us. And no, he looks exactly like every character Nolan everyone. North has ever yeah. played. <laughs> Ironically not played by Nolan North. Yeah, he actually does have his Australian accent. <laughs> and I do like his partner, Chum Bucket, is a, is a fun character, but I can't understand half of what he says. Yeah. Um, but he's like driving around and like using harpoons to pull people out of, out of cars and like grinding. I mean, I, I like that. I, you I, know what I, I like the most about satisfying. the game is the car stuff, yeah. the car combat. Which is like after Batman Arkham, Arkham Knight, I'm just like, oh, Warner Brothers, like one miss, one hit with the car stuff. Good work. Yeah, I don't know. If the car stuff in Batman Arkham Knight was more like this, I would have been having more fun with it because yeah. it feels more visceral. It feels more attached to the ground, I guess. Like it just I don't feel like I'm out of control half the time. And, and if I do feel out of control, I can upgrade the car, change the car's parts to add handling or to like do something. Like I, there's a lot of options there that kind of make it so I feel like I'm playing what I want to play with that car. Um but again, it's like, you know, the 15th time out of the stronghold to go go to the next, like, same identical tower you've already explored for scrap for the 15th time. It's like, it's like I don't, am I going to finish the game? I don't think so. I, I feel like I'm I probably, would never, I'm gonna ever get, finish I'm going to get distracted at some point this month, and I'm never going to go back to Mad Max. I know it's going to be like the Saboteur, where the Saboteur, I totally, it's the same thing. I was like, I love this, I love the kind of what you're trying to do. I like, I like all the individual pieces, but like, 
I know I'm not going to finish you. I'm never There's going to. There's no way to, I'll it, finish it, this it's, game. It's just so much. I don't much. even know if I'll go back to it. In fact, there was one review where the, the author of the review, I can't remember, maybe it was Kotaku. I think I saw that on Sifted today where it was like, I don't think I'm going like, to finish this. You no, know, he's like, <laughs> no, what he said was, if I weren't getting paid, we're getting paid I would, to play yeah. this game, I would never keep playing it. And that's exactly how I felt after just a couple hours. Like, I was like, I've seen everything in this game and other games before. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing new or unique about it. Like, the car combat a little bit, but... it's Like I said, it's like the individual pieces feel good. I don't know if they combine to form something Voltron-esque. You know, it the other thing really... I want to say, too, is that fe- there's some jank in this game. Like, oh, yeah. The combat feels janky, and it's like... I feel like I had talked about this a few months ago, or a couple months ago on the show about how the game looked janky to me. And I feel like I've developed this sixth sense where I can watch a game being played and I can tell if it's got jank. Like, (laughs) I picked it out from this game a long time ago, and as soon as I started playing it, I'm like, this feels exactly how I thought it was going to feel. Like, the responsiveness is just not there. It feels really floaty and, like... See, I don't think it feels floaty. I think it feels mushy. Mushy. Which to me is the opposite of Please, please... Well, Extrapolate like, on the differences between those well, float, two terms. Floaty to me feels like the, is like the character is not connected to the ground properly. Yeah. Mushy to he me is like the char- around a little yeah. Bit. Mushy to me is the character feels like he's stuck to the ground. Like a bit. kill zone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison for mushy. But yeah. like to me, <laughs> to me, I feel like he doesn't move. Like when I'm in a fist fight, like I guess probably because it feels so much like Shadow of Mordor or Batman because yeah. it's clearly based on the same kind of combat idea. Yeah. Like he doesn't like jump to the next guy enough like he i i keep missing basically like like i'm like okay counter punch 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 knock you know stun that guy now there's a guy coming over on this side i want to punch push the other direction hit punch and he sort of turns around and goes with like yeah. kind of whiff i'm like well no batman would have batman would have done two cartwheels yeah. and like <laughs> got a spinning him. bat kick on yeah. top of the guy and he's like <laughs> on the other side of the alley you know yeah. like whereas like max is just like oh my jacket's heavy oh, you know it's just like, like <laughs> I should have got this tailored. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. You can strip all his clothes off. And, and like, there's like that weird sort of, you level Mac, you level a car up by building stuff, right. but you level Max up by finding a drug dealer and get having peyote sprayed in your face. Like that, that, that's just, I mean, I know they're trying to do the kind of like the, uh, you know, the Australia sort of, you know, airs rock kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like, it, it, to me, it just comes off as really out of place. Here's the thing. There's just nothing unique about it. There's nothing. There's not one thing the game can hang its hat on and say, this is something we did that not another game did. And when you have a game like Metal Gear that just came out, you have Just Cause 3 right around the corner. That's the thing. Just Cause 3 is going to make this game completely irrelevant. Exactly. There is no reason to buy this game. Like, look... Unless you love the car stuff. The car combat is decent. Look, I but it takes my... forever to get to the point where your car can actually shoot explosives. Yeah, things. you're right. Yeah, like so... my car didn't do jack before I gave up. And so I just don't see any reason for this game to exist, Matt. I, mean, I like Mad Max. I like the... Tra- I mean, that's the thing, though, is like Mad Max is so fluid. Because like I love the... That's, that's actually my big question about this game is like how many people are going are gonna to buy this game... And expect it to basically be Fury Road. Yeah, and it is oh, not. Oh, a lot of people Fury are getting schooled. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they've like injected a lot of. Fu- I mean, like the main bad guy is like Immortan Joe's like third son that was never mentioned right, in right. the movie or whatever. And like, you know, Gas Town is like a, this thing is like the main place you're trying to get to. And like, but like, and, you know, there's War Boys and I kind of you know they say witness me and stuff like that. Like you can tell like the, probably the last year they've been like injecting Fury Road elements into this game to make it feel a little more like that. But it's not that. It doesn't look like that. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't have 
the character of the movie. It doesn't have any of that to it. So I have to think that someone who is like, oh, I loved Fury Road. I want to play the game. You're going to boot this game up and you're like, what the hell is yeah. this? Also, because Mad Ma- every Mad Max story is detached from all the other Mad Max. Like it's, yeah, it's they're just all self-contained. Yeah, yeah, they're self-contained legends of the wasteland kind of thing. So, like, you know, even the movies don't keep continuity, so this has no continuity either. I mean, he's lost that damn Interceptor, like, four separate times yeah. or something. But, like, it's... That's what I wonder is, like, if someone liked Mad Max, the new Mad Max movie... And they, you know, and clearly that's who they're trying to sell this to in part because it came out the same day as the home video releases of the movie. Um, if that, if someone like that just happens to see it on the shelf in Best Buy when they go in to pick up the Blu-ray of Fury Road uh, and they pick it up, are they going to be happy with it? They might be. They might be. My next point but... was, look, if I were the one doing the game eval for this game, look, don't get me wrong, it's not going to end up with like a 1.8 or right. something like that. Like. Looking at the game objectively, it does a lot of things fine, and it's mm-hmm. it's a mediocre game, but it just it's just coming out at the wrong time. Man. Right, it's, like, it's it's surrounded by giants, and there's no way you're gonna not even see a giant. It. Like Just Cause Three isn't a giant, but well, I mean like Metal Gear and Madden and Mario yeah. Maker, are like th- those are much taller games. Yeah, and there's ca- just nothing unique enough about it to for me to recommend it to somebody if they're yeah. looking for a game to buy. Like, if someone's like, what's up with Mad Max? I'd be like, wait for Just Cause 3. It comes out mm-hmm. in a couple months. It's Or, like, wait for a Steam sale. Wait or for... actually what I tell them is buy Metal Gear, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I've enjoyed my time with Mad Max. I switched back to Metal Gear uh, pretty quickly and didn't, you know... It's amazing how dedicated you can be to a game when you have to switch discs. Yeah. And so I'm like... <laughs> so a couple times, like, I've been like, oh, maybe I should go back to Mad Max... Eh, let's just do another game. Yeah, I'd have to get let's up do another the mission of Metal Gear. So the disc is in the, ch- in the machine. And like, yeah, so nothing about it has really drawn me back to it after that initial kind of marathon session because I yeah. wanted to, I played it for like five hours in a row just to, to have a, a foundation for this show. Right. Um, and then I went back to Metal Gear. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, did, I don't regret it. I don't mind it. I think it's a solid B, B minus. And sometimes I like to play a mediocre game. But yeah. like, I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. Like, but I, it was just kind of there. But it probably should have come out in like June. Yeah, that would have When helped. no one had anything else to play. And also when the movie was relevant, and it probably would have yeah. been a lot better than two. But, I, feel like it, I feel like it's going to get lost. But look, playing this game, lost. you can tell they couldn't have put it out then. It would have been a disaster. Yeah, clearly <laughs> they, they had It would have not been finished, yeah. But um oh on my uh, on my thing uh, my you know, when you get the game like it has the code for the ripper yeah. the ripper body the code didn't work until like the next day. Well that's been happening with a lot of games lately where DLC codes inside games have been working. The other fact, DLC worked. Yeah. In in the but the ripper thing wouldn't work until the next day when I tried it again and then it worked and then it turned out that you can just switch bodies anytime you want so who cares? Lots of data to juggle at PSN and Xbox Live for that I guess stuff. So. They need a lot of people to keep track of all that stuff. So yeah, I can't. I can't say I hate it, but I can't say you should spend 60 bucks on it. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement on that yeah. one. All right, so that's going to do it for the big six for this week's show. Uh, our trailer of the week. So here's the thing. Matt, I don't know if you watched the uh, the Kojima debriefing sort of mini documentary for Metal Gear Solid Five. Did you mm-hmm. watch that? No. So... It's a mini documentary. It lasts probably around eight minutes or whatever. And essentially, it's, it's like Kojima's like farewell, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. Like He talks to like Jeff Keighley and journalists. He talks to like people that he's worked with on the games for a long time to get their perspective on what it's been like working on it. But then at the end, he uh, some kid who had cancer had 
sent him a letter or emailed him like a year ago and said, you know, I'm a big fan, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so the the team working on the game was like in the doldrums of like crunch. And mm -hmm. they were like, I, according to Kojima, they were starting to fall behind and the team was starting to lose focus and hope in the project because it had kind of become overwhelming. And I guess this kid kind of lifted their spirits and reinvigorated them. They're like, look, we don't have cancer, you know? Like, <laughs> life could be a lot worse. We're working on oh, video yeah. games for a living. And, he, and according to Kojima, it kind of convinced them to plow forward and, and finish the game. And so the end of this documentary, Kojima goes to visit this kid with cancer. Well, the kid has passed away and is, and is no longer alive. And so he's at the house with his parents and, like, his siblings and everything. And they're talking about how, you know, he loved your games. And, you know, he when he was doing chemo, Playing video games was like the only thing that would take his mind off of it, and they kind of got him through chemo, even though it didn't ultimately work. It helped him while he was going through it. And then there's a scene where they go into the kid's bedroom, and Kojima walks in there, and like it's still exactly the way it was when the kid like passed away, and like it is just really moving. Like if you watch that and don't get a little choked up, like you might want to check for a pulse. And so initially, I was like, man, I should probably run that as a trailer of the week. But it's like 10 minutes long, and so I decided against it. Go on Sifted and watch it. Like, you can probably fast forward through the first five minutes of it because it really is just like people saying, I loved working with you, and we made great games together. Or <laughs> Jeff Keighley saying, I loved working with you and doing interviews with you. <laughs> but the end of it is really, really powerful and impactful. So I highly recommend going on the site and watching it. But instead, the trailer of the week this week is Halo 5, the opening cinematic. Have you watched this yet, Matt? I saw the shots of Nathan Fillion, but I haven't watched the whole thing. Okay, so we'll talk about it when we come back. So watch it here on the monitor, here in our studio. Here it is, the opening cinematic for Halo 5 Guardians. Team Osiris, over the last 72 hours, five colonies have experienced identical events. Massive destruction, forerunner in origin. But Dr. Catherine Elizabeth Halsey has managed to contact us. She claims to have information on these attacks. Halsey is currently in Covenant custody on the surface of Kamchata. Your mission is to insert behind enemy lines, retrieve Halsey, and bring her back to Infinity. Be advised, Dr. Halsey is accompanied by Covenant Supreme Leader Jewel Mdama. If you have the opportunity... Understood, Commander. Good luck, Spartan Lock. Infinity out. Tracking gear online. Affirmative. Say, before we make this jump, anybody want to say a few words? I figure if God can hear how scared I am, so can everyone else. Lock, you buying the first drink when we're done? You ask, you buy. <laughs> Fireteam Osiris, the light is green.
Working fine, Lob. Copy that, Tanaka. Spartan Buck, online and ready. Spartan Vale, online. Weapons free. Contact! What do you think of that, yeah, Matt? That looks pretty awesome, but um, I'm just like, at the end of that our cutscene or whatever, the, you know, I love the Halo universe, but you see all these awesome things in the cutscenes and the trailers and stuff, and it always just comes back to a guy with a gun in front of his yeah. face. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, that trailer's amazing. You will not do anything close to that cool in this game. Like, yeah. because you can't, I mean, it's like, maybe it's time to finally make the third-person action game Halo. Yeah. You know? Like, like where you can actually do stuff like that. Maybe it's time for the Devil May Cry of Halo games or something. Did you notice anything else about it, that trailer? No Master Chief. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, there, I opening cinema for a Halo game. Yeah. Oh, Matt. Well, clear. I mean, the the dual story thing with Locke and Master Chief is clearly a thing. You know, they're they're, they're committing to it, yeah. uh, which is interesting after the the dual story with Master Chief and the Arbiter was not uh, well received, received very well in Halo 2. I actually liked it, but a lot of people um, didn't like it. I still kind of feel it was a mistake to make to personify the the Covenant. Yeah. A little to, to see what they were thinking. But then like the, the the Covenant and kind of how that reacted they reacted to humanity and reacted to all that has become so integral to the story it's hard to imagine it without it. Yeah. But at, at the time I was like, Oh, I didn't really want to know what they were saying. I liked it, man. You know, I liked I it. I thought it was a good way to mix it up a little bit. It was uh, and but then they kind of walked away with it walked away from it in Halo three. But I did like the Arbiter in Halo three. I mean the payoff in Halo three of the Arbiter teaming up with him and sort of the yep. the ending where humanity sort of like makes its peace with with the uh, the, the elites aliens. and all that, it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, in the end, it was fine. But part of the problem was probably just that Halo Two felt like half a game, yeah, uh, and did not have that damn city fight that they demoed it right. with E Three. I'm like, yeah. what the was that? Yeah. But um, did it get you excited for the game that trailer? Because that's real. That's what trailers are for, right? They're promotional pieces of media mm-hmm. that are supposed to get people excited to play the game and buy the game. Not really. Really. Well, because like I'm, I like I said, I like Halo and the world and the trappings, but I know the game's not like that. Yeah, like the game is just going to be. It's almost like false advertising. Well, it's just going to be like walking through corridors and, and open stuff. areas, and maybe I'll drive a warthog and I'll shoot stuff, and the, you know, like that, that fifteen-minute like, loop. Yeah, I mean, it's Halo. It's going to be Halo, you know, and like. Let's go. I might have to start to wonder at this point. 
I don't know, but like, it, I mean, that's cool. But it's like, you know, I, I, I love that. But it's just like the the um, you know, the blur cinematics for Knights of the Old or for Star Wars: The Old Republic, where it's yeah. like those three those three blur cinematics were like three of the greatest Star Wars things made in the last. You're 20 right. Years. Yeah. Do you do anything remotely resembling that in no. the MMO game? No, of course not. Like, but it's so it's like, yeah, it gets me excited for that world and that property and that brand. Yeah. But I know damn well that's not what I'm going to play. Yeah. So like, I, I guess I'm kind of like tor- you know torn on it. I'm going to play Halo Five. I mean, you have to play Halo Five, especially if you're on a show about yeah. video games. <laughs> it's like, you know, but it's like, but it's just like, you know, it's one of those things where. I don't even really need to be hyped for Halo Five because I'm yeah, gonna play. Halo I'm gonna 5. play it regardless. So it's like Zelda Wii U. It's like yeah, I'm gonna play Zelda. Like I don't. I yeah. Don't care. I don't need to see another trailer. I don't really need yeah. to know anything else about yeah. it. Like it's I'm like, gonna play it. You don't need to show me another Star Wars Force Awakens trailer. I'm gonna be in the theater. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, that's why I don't watch any of the trailers. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, that's great. I mean, I love the Halo stuff. I love the Halo trappings of the world. I love how all that stuff looks like. You know, and it's a very inventive. I don't know who made that that cinematic. I don't either, actually. But um. Again, like I, the, pe- the CG actually, I didn't C- think was that great. CG is not that great, but the, the fight, choreography, the choreography yeah. like the people who fight, choreograph, or storyboard these things do not get enough like respect and love and you know praises sung. Like whoever choreographed that thing or whoever whatever people did should have their damn names in the corner. Right. Yeah. Of, it should be like fight, cinematic choreography by whoever right. because the, I mean these people. That's are, what makes or breaks these trailers. Absolutely. Yeah. Like these and and that is some really you know coming up with you know. I think of all the action scenes that have ever been done in every sci-fi game and movie and everything ever, and now imagine, okay, come up with something no one's seen before. Yeah, it's tough. For the fifth game in this series, yeah. and that's only going with the ones with numbers in the titles. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, huge respect for the people that put those things together, because they Thus are, they came awesome. up with Spartan snowboarding, basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's time to move on to our deep dive. It is finally time for us to talk completely unfettered, unembargoed, about Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. But no ending spoilers, because we're not anywhere near there yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a road it's been to finally get to this place yeah. where we can talk about the final retail version of The Phantom Pain. Yeah, it was kind of a, like putting that disc in my system felt weird. It did. It was like, oh my god, I have this. <laughs> it felt good. I have this game, especially after the Ground Zeroes thing, where yeah. it's like, all right, kind of a demo sort of yeah. thing. That's the funny thing though because I went back and played Ground Zeroes again to get all the stuff that was going to transfer you know the 19 guys that transfer over and like the, all that other stuff and um, Ground Zeroes like was a legit preview of this game. Oh, like, yeah. it was, it I mean, was it was sure. Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, like they did not lie to you. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think they were. I assumed that that was how the gameplay was going to work and yeah. everything. But you're right, there weren't a ton of changes to the final game from what we saw in Ground Zero. A little tweaks here and yeah. there. But... Well, they fixed my biggest complaint about Ground Zeroes was like, if I'm behind cover and I hit the binoculars, I don't want to look at the cover really closely. I yeah. want to see over what I'm looking at. So yeah. let's let's just start at the beginning because we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, and so we want to kind of put a bow on it this week. The perfect review scores, Matt. How are you feeling about those now that you've spent significant amount of time with this game? Well, I'm only you know, I'm 15 hours into what looks like to be like a 60 to 80 hour game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's shown me its hand to yeah. a large degree, outside of whatever story twists or whatever lie down the road. Yeah. Um, you know, the base is pretty much open for business. The mother base is like ready to. Be- and I don't get it. Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't. I don't see. I like it. I like it a lot. I enjoy the freedom. I enjoy all the weird things you can do. I mean, I, I see the potential. I see the love. Basically, I mean, you can tell this game was made by people who loved the idea of what they were making. 
but I don't see the tens. No, I don't I, see it either, man. I don't even just getting on that horse for five minutes. I don't see the tens. Just a game that's this long needs more than two environments. That's yeah. my that is my biggest gripe with this game is yeah. that you spend the first like have you got out of Afghanistan no, yet? I'm still in Afghanistan. Yeah, and all, it is just like we were talking about with Mad Max. It's like this barren desert. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was saying uh, last night to my girlfriend. I was like. I was like, I have spent a lot of time this weekend in this week in a desert with beardy men. Like it's yeah. like, <laughs> like there are. It, it, that's kind of been my life so far. It is interesting to play Mad Max, which is such a similar setting and well, locate like geographical setting. Not there's no car combat in Metal Gear, but like, um, and such a like kind of a bearded protagonist sort of thing run, running around doing open world stuff. And then you go over to Metal Gear. And you're like, wow, this is a better made game. But it's just, it's just the smoothness and the responsiveness and the and the 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 inventiveness you can use in Metal Gear Solid Five is just on another level. Oh yeah, the thing I love about this game is all the little stuff, and that's kind of the problem for me is that it's, I feel like it's the little stuff that's done really well, but like mm. the core of it isn't isn't up to scratch with the the other part the other parts of it, like. There's so many cool little Easter eggs and details hidden in this game and little stuff that happens and like you can screw around with this game and cool stuff happens. Other games you try to screw around with it and they break or it just does nothing. This game will be like, oh yeah, we thought of that. Yeah. But I feel like they spent a ton of time working on little stuff like making it a Kojima game and not enough time making it a great open world game. Like mm-hmm. it's very repetitive. Like, I feel like after, like you were just saying, like I've played it 15 hours, I feel like it's shown its hand. It has shown its hand, Matt. That's what I can tell you. Like, Mm -hmm. having played double plus of what you're saying, it has shown you pretty much everything as far as how the core game plays. Like, and so when you start comparing it to other open world games, like, let's say, take like Assassin's Creed. Like, he had said that that was one of the franchises that inspired him when he was building this game. You shared an anecdote before we started recording about how yes, this very much influenced this oh, game. Yeah. He wanted he wanted to make an open world game for four for Metal Gear Solid Four, and his team basically this is this is this is what you hear at in bars near E three when everyone's had a few drinks. Yeah, you know, back in the but um, so I don't make any claims of how valid any of this is. But I, from what but I've it's heard, it's probably pretty probably, freaking valid. <laughs> what I've heard is basically his team told him. It can't be done. Yeah, and then he went to E3, and they and Ubisoft showed Assassin's Creed for the first right. time, and he was like, "What the hell? Like you told me you couldn't do exactly this." Yeah. And so he worked. With, that's why Snake has an Assassin's Creed outfit in Four. Is he worked with the Assassin's Creed people to kind of, you know, with Ubisoft to kind of understand how that was done. So like, I think this game is what he's wanted to make for like 10 years. I mean, you know, and you can see it warming up in Peace Walker. Like Peace Walker. Oh, for sure. It had like the whole mother base thing. The mother base thing. thing and it was just like it, the scale wasn't what this is. But yeah. it's like you can see that kind of prototype happening. And then so this but the thing is about this game is like the more I played it I'm like this is Assassin's Creed, but a clunky Assassin's Creed. In play, and it's like the pe- things that people complain about in Assassin's Creed, they're all in Metal Gear oh, Solid yeah. Five, and like, worse. And like you've got your base that you don't really have any way to meaningfully interact with. You have there's the just de- a bunch of like meters going up. Yeah, you have the development stuff, which is just like you're paying like meaningless sums of nondescript currency to like get slightly better equipment. You're you know you're sending guys that you never see and never meet and never interact with out on like these missions. 
that are just like timer bars filling up and then maybe you get a reward at the end. I mean, it's all the same thing. Yeah, except for the parkour is awful in Metal Gear. Yeah, well, <laughs> Snake, Snake ain't a jumper. No, he's not much of a runner either. Like, my biggest complaint he's with He's got the... a lot of stuff on his back. Yeah. <laughs> my biggest complaint with the gameplay is that there needs to be a cover button because... The cover, it's weird. The There's, cover system sucks. It agree with you. No, it yeah. sucks, dude. Like, you cannot attach to a wall and know you're going to stick to that wall. Like, sometimes you go to pop out a cover and shoot, and you'll just run away from the wall and run out and get <laughs> shot. Like, it. they need a button. The other part, too, is, like, sometimes you're trying to run away from enemies, and you're trying to run into a building to get away, and, like, he attaches to, like, the door jam, and then you're like, oh, crap, mm-hmm. and you're trying to get him through the door. Then he attaches to the other side of the door jam. Like, again... Their details are there. The really cool Kojima stuff is in there, but I feel like the base part of it just isn't quite up to scratch. So like, what, you know, I think we're kind of on a very similar page with this game, and we've been doing this a long time. Yeah. What is someone who gave this a 10 out of 10 scene that we're well, not no, seeing? Well, no, look. First of all, let's, let's, let's rewind here a second, mm-hmm. because I love this game. It's I, great. It's I am great. loving the hell out of it. I've played... 30 plus hours of this game and I am enjoying it. I'm not tired of it. I would never write what that guy wrote about Mad Max about how you'd, you know, if I weren't getting paid, I wouldn't right. finish this game. Right. Like, I am enjoying the game. So don't get me wrong. We were just talking about tens and perfect mm-hmm. scores and things that we found in the game that would make it no way in hell we would ever give the game a 10. And so we're trying to find issues with the game. And there are, the game has issues. It's not like we have mm-hmm. to really search for them. So. Don't think that we're just slagging the game. I'm sure there might be people in chat right now saying, you guys are crazy, blah, blah, blah. Why are you slagging on this game? We are both enjoying the game and having fun with the game. For sure. But when you're talking about 10 out of 10, there's way too much wrong with this game for it to get a perfect score. And in, in a lot of these reviews, like you're talking about 100 out of 100. Right, like on know? a 100-point scale. Yeah. yeah, it's not even like a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And like you know, it, you know, with the, you know, games, uh, GameSpot does that where like they, you know, and they did it again. Every time they give something a ten, they put up there. Here's all the games that have ever gotten tens. Yeah. And here's why they got tens, and like we're, you know, they kind of like bring that primer back to yeah. like kind of like explain like here's how we do it. We don't take they this put lightly. They it in context. Yeah. Yeah, we don't take this lightly. It's you know, we understand what this means, that kind of thing. And you know, I mean, some stuff holds up, some stuff doesn't. Uh, I don't. I mean, I do not simply live in a world where Chrono, Chrono Cross was a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, but, like, it was a long time ago. But, well, um, I think Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 was... Yeah, of all the 10. Tony Hawk's, that would not be the one I would No, I, I would say that's the best Tony Hawk, in my opinion. I like 2 better, but I don't know all I that I think much. 3... Well, we shouldn't get an argument about no. Tony Hawk right now, but I, th- I actually agree that that's the best Tony Although, Hawk. Although, but... Snake was in Tony Hawk. I know. So yeah. It's still <laughs> relevant. We're not totally <laughs> off in Crazy Town. Um, but, like, yeah, I... Just the horse, like, would keep it out of yeah. perfect score territory for me. The horse, like, the here's the thing: the horse normally isn't an issue because it's it's a means to get from one place to another. But there are a few missions in the game mm-hmm. where you are under a time constraint and you need the horse to perform. And literally, I just wanted to get off the horse and shoot it in the head, dude. Like, <laughs> oh my god! I mean, honestly, I was telling you before we recorded this, there was that mission where I had to use the horse. I got so mad. I have come the closest I've ever come to destroying a controller and since I've been like a, a professional in this industry. Like I used to do it all the time whenever I just played games for quote unquote fun. Hmm. But since I've become a quote unquote adult, 
I've kind of refrained from that. I literally almost smashed my controller. Like, I was so mad. Like, there's nothing that infuriates me more when the game costs me time out of my life. Mm -hmm. Just because it was janky or busted. And the horse in this game, again, you don't notice it most of the time because you're just kind of running around, galloping around. But when you need it, if you need it to be precise, it's a piece of crap. It's... (laughs) And look, it's not the only game that can't handle horses. Like... (laughs) Name me one game that's done well with a horse. Uh, I would say Shadow of the Colossus. It's probably the best horse. example. Yeah. But every even The Witcher 3's horse had issues. Like it's better now, but like it, it was definitely Jerry pre. It's just something that's hard to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, Metal Gear is another game that hasn't managed to nail it. Mm. And uh, you know, oh, but although like it's weird that it, they didn't nail it because the animals are so well done. In yeah, this game. a lot of them are for sure. Like, but I guess you don't have to ride them. Although I really wish I could strap a saddle to that bear. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so. Look. Also, have you found a snake? No, I haven't found a snake. I hear them all the time, and I can't find them. I've never even heard them. I've heard the hissing of the snake, and I look around, and I can't find the damn never snake. Never heard them. I know the snake because there's a whole, there's a mini game where you can like or a mini collection thing where you can like collect all the animals. Right. And like. They're supposed to show up on your mother base, but I don't. I have not seen a bear on yeah. my mother base. I collected a bear. And yeah, I, I got a bear, bear too, and I haven't seen him show up at the base. I've seen footage of sheep at the base. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen a single animal at the base. Actually, I could staff one of my damn platforms with all the sheep I've captured, <laughs> but like, I don't see them. So let's talk about the whole Fulton mother base element of the game. Mm-hmm. I, you know, initially I, I had read some previews and saw some interviews where they had said that mother base was going to be a much bigger element of the game than it is. Um, basically, mother base is just kind of this place you go back to and you see cutscenes here and there, and yeah. you kind of admire your progress. It's like the world, the video game world's most elaborate progress bar yeah. ever. Like it's that's the, what mother the, base has become. It's the mansion in Assassin's Creed Two. Yeah. That's all, and it's just as little to do. There's really nothing to do there at all. Like they have like those target practice things that they have at like each one of the modules that you at least be expanded to. Yeah, or at least like a room where you could go and like talk and like. But all the cutscenes happen like right where you land the helicopter, and and the helicopter won't leave. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff with like you know various people coming out and talking to you and things, and like the helicopter doesn't leave till after the scene. So you're all everyone's just sort of having this very serious conversation. Like you wouldn't be able to hear anything, and everyone would be blown off the oil rig at this point anyway. But it's it it's kind of that Kojima sort of like I pay insane attention to realistic detail until it comes down to like. The guy who's made out of fire. Or yeah. Whatever, you know? <laughs> and, um, oh, I mean, you have to suspend disbelief. Right. Also, tell them tell this. them what you told me about the guys who wander around on, on Mother Base because I didn't know that and I would have liked to have known that. Oh, uh, so when you go back to Mother Base, sometimes when you land, there's guys there that are saluting you. Those guys mm-hmm. are not a part of your team yet. You have to subdue them and Fulton them to make them a part of like your research teams. So, Matt, you just assumed the guys walking around were already a part of the team? Yeah. Uh, I did okay. not realize that they were not part of the team. Because they're on my damn home base. So, like, why would they be on my team? remember at the beginning of the game, they make you do that so that you can add them to your team. That's, like, one of the first tutorials you do in the game. Yeah, but I didn't understand that that was, like... You had to keep doing yeah, it? Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought it was just showing me how the balloon worked. Without uh, being, no. like, you know, not in a hostile area kind of yeah. thing. So, um, let's, let's, let's try to keep this a little structured. Because otherwise, right. we could ramble on this game forever. So, let's talk about missions. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this, to me, is where the game really gets repetitive. Because, so, let, let's talk about mission types. There's extract a guy. Extract guy. Get info. Get info. Blow thing up. Blow something up. Take out X number of vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
think that, that might, might be, be it. it. And really, they all kind of come down to blow thing up, get thing. Yeah. Like, it, the, the challenge and the interest is kind of in the different configurations and how you get in there and, and whether you want to go loud, whether you want to do perfect S rank kind of thing. Yeah. I've gotten one S rank in like 15. I mean, it, it, it's hard. Like, they, they, they don't screw around. And, like, you have to. One thing I really like about it, even though I'm not good at it, is I like that the missions require you to really sit down on a, little, a hill or something outside and really take in the lay of the land and mark all the enemies as best you can and do that. This is and the I inevitably metal, screw it up. This but. is the first Metal Gear game that is really just an espionage game. For sure. And that's one of the things I love about it. Like, it finally has lived up to its name. Yeah. Because... It finally is tactical espionage. It really action. is, yeah. Like, look, you can you can run and gun through this. Like, some levels I just do it. Yeah. Like, you know how when you start, like, a, a sortie, you can choose, like, the time of day? Mm-hmm. Like, if I want to just run and gun it, I choose daytime so I can see all the enemies. If, it's, if I want to stealth it, I choose the nighttime. And, and do it that way. But you have to, like, case the joint before yeah. you go in. Like, you have these little outposts, and they all look the same, and they're all kind of built of the same elements. Like, I do feel like the world's kind of cut and pasted together in a lot of ways. But I could not possibly... I mean, you can show me a couple of places that I know which ones they were, but, like, in general, I feel like I'm going to the same place over and over well, again. Well, a lot of times you are. Well, yeah, but I mean... <laughs> But, I mean, even I, though I know they're different locations on the map, it's just like, well, here's another thing that's made out of sandbags and concrete kind of thing. It's just, it's yeah. not, you know, and it's, and it's lucky that the, well, not lucky, I'm sure it's by design, but, like, that the, the, the enemy AI is so varied in that they react differently. Even, even if you're retraining the same mission, sometimes these guys will do different things, and sometimes even though they see you in the same, which, of course, I'm sure makes it a headache for people who are perfectionists, because yeah. you never know what these the guys The AI in this game is so much better than any other Metal Gear. Like, mm. the enemy AI, it is leaps and bounds. Like, again, another one of my nitpicks with this series for forever was the AI, about mm-hmm. how you could be laying on the ground... And some guy is standing like right next to you and doesn't see you because you're not in his quote unquote vision cone. Like, now you... I have done that in this game. A really? Couple of times. Well, because like a couple of times I'll be in I'll be in grass and in tree like near a tree or something, and I'll do that thing where you you know you you lay and then you, you lay down and then you hold triangle and you lay you lay even flatter and just play dead well, or whatever. It's X. Hmm? You tap X after you've laid down to go into that like different like no, rest triangle. mode or whatever. Build triangle. Uh-uh. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I always hit X. X makes you stand up. Oh, I thought I was always hitting X to do that. Mm-mm. You hold X to lay no, down. No, no, no. X doesn't make you stand up. Circle makes you stand up. Circle would adjust all your levels of, like, yeah. Wait, are you playing yeah. X- Xbox One? No. Oh, no. No, X sends you into that super, like, stealth mode when you're laying down. I think we have different configurations. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, choose the, I choose the shooter configuration. Oh, see, I use default. Oh, uh, well, there you go. That explains it. <laughs> Play your way. Yeah. With Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I've been laying there like and, and like because I, I had no other choice. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I fucked up. Here comes the guy. Oh yeah. god. So I'm just gonna lay down and play dead. And like they've walked right past me, like like you know, like feet away and like stand there. Yeah, but I mean around. look, even Metal like, Gear Solid Four, there were times where like you're like laying on the ground and they're like looking at you and yeah, I've never had anything quite like that. You. Like it's to me it's way, way better. Well, than he's, well it's also funnier to me because like, you know, I know they can't they can't have your stealth rating be related to which weaponry you wanted to bring or needed to yeah. bring to a mission. Like today, I was laying down next to a tree in the grass, and this guy was walking. He was walking almost as close to me to me as you are, and he walked right past me. And I've got this giant rocket launcher just poking up out of. Yeah. I mean, it's like just like boing, and like, and he's like, and he didn't notice me when he turned around. Yeah. But like, 
So you're not completely scot-free. Uh, but then again, like I love the little things, the little touches where like he saw me, and like you know you get that little reflex motion where you can like you have like five seconds to yeah. shoot him, and I hit it, and instead, which I, was, I don't like at all by the way, uh, the I, but I hit thing. it, and like instead of like getting up or switching into like Snake just sort of like rolled over, pulled his gun out like sideways on the ground, and just shot him from there, and it was it was like this supernatural move on his yeah. I was like that's great like you said there's lots of cool they, little they stuff they thought of like it that. yeah like the little things they thought of it they thought but of they every didn't single get one the fundamentals nailed that's what drives me bonkers and what you do most of the game is the fundamentals like the driving of the vehicle sucks like that jeep like i cannot keep it on the freaking road <laughs> man like i don't know i i yeah it's it's it is the same thing kind of over and over again, and it's it's really sort of up to you to make your own fun, I guess. And it's the same missions over and over. It's You go back to the same outposts over mm-hmm. and over. In fact, I should probably mention what happened to me. I feel like kind of an idiot for this, but I don't know if I am an idiot. I'll be interested to see if this has happened to other people, but like, I got to a place in the campaign where like it wasn't giving me new missions to play. And I was like, what is going on here, man? Like, I've completed every single mission. Like, I went and completed a couple side missions just in case there was some kind of a requirement there. Still wouldn't open up. So I went back and I started replaying all the levels I have played. And so you know how they work, Matt. Like, Mm. each mission has, like, five objectives. And some of them you can do, like, all five or six or seven at once. But some of them you have to go back again later with a vehicle or a specific weapon to get that one, like, check mark or whatever. So I went back through these levels I had already played, trying to complete every little mini objective inside each of the of the missions. And still, the stupid thing wouldn't open up. And I'm like, what the hell? I burned like 10 hours doing this. I go to the side mission menu, and I start scrolling down. And at that point, a bunch of missions had unlocked at that point. Initially, there was like a handful or whatever when I had played the first couple. And sure enough, there's a mission in the side mission that has a yellow title to it. And I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, well, I've played all these other levels already a million times. I might as well see what this is. I go, and that is what triggers the campaign to go forward. <laughs> Which means it's not really a side mission. No, it? it's not a side <laughs> mission, dude. I was so mad. And like, look, I'm trying to plow through this. I had the whole PlayStation 4 breaking thing that set me back. Like, I'm trying to get the review up for, for the users on Sifted. And I'm like all stressed out. And I'm like burning through this, these levels over and over again for like 10 hours I did this, Matt. For nothing. All I had to do was go play a side mission. The game doesn't tell you to go play the side uh-huh. mission. There's no alert. Like, when you go back to Mother Base, sometimes the guys there will be like, hey, you might want to get more medicinal herbs, or <laughs> you need to really work on this snake or boss, or but nothing, dude. No one's like, you might want to check out some of those side missions there, bro. <laughs> nothing. I just kept playing these missions over, and look, I got really good at those missions. Well, your mother base is kicking rad. Yeah, so. and I mean, that is kind of the positive side of it, is that my mother base just became a beast, and it's way ahead of where it's supposed to be, for where, for, or at least it was, for the level that I was at and like the mission I was playing. And I have more money now than I can ever pretty much spend. <laughs> um, but when you're trying to get through a game for review to share your opinion with your users, it's pretty frustrating to have that happen. And like, there's lots of little stuff like that where the game doesn't like give you enough information. And look, I like that sometimes where like you discover stuff on your like that rolling thing that happened, like you that stuff like mm-hmm. that's cool. But dude, when you're like impeding like someone progressing through the game by just not telling them how to do it, it's like that's where it starts to get a little funky for me. So I wasted a ton of time doing that and like. The missions are all kind of the same thing. You go back to Afghanistan, and there's one other environment. I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't got there yet. 
Um, but there's only one other major mm -hmm. environment in the game. Well, I guess we should probably talk about the story, since that always seems to be something really important in Metal Gear games, even mm -hmm. though I usually don't give a crap about the Metal Gear games. Well, it's interesting that, like, the story kind of leaves you alone most of the time yeah. in this game. Like it, like, you go for huge chunks of time I mean, without like ever that, touching the story. Yeah, I mean, like, the prologue is, like, all very narrative-driven, and then after that, they kind of, you know... Like, I mean, it's that, it's that cutscene we've seen a million times with Ocelot and Snake on the horse, and, like... They boot you out in the open world, and it's like, see there you see go. in about 40 hours, dude. You know, so yeah, it, 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 it literally is like five hours later yeah. until the story, really, anything happens in the story. Which, again. I mean, it's a, it's a departure from Kojima's usual MO in a great, in a, in a well, tremendous way. I'm not from, arguing with it. Yeah, but like, well, here's the thing. He went from one extreme to the other. Yeah. To the other. He didn't find the happy ground in between, mm -hmm. like... And again, when you're doing these missions in the same environment with the same objectives over and over and over again, like... It needs more story. I never yeah. thought I'd say that about a Kojima game. Or a little bit of like, like it's hard. Like there's there's like the the weird supernatural seeming characters that show up. And like I've been playing this open world military game so long that I like shit like that happens in the missions. Weird. And I'm like, a, it seems weird, and b, I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Like I'm like, well, you haven't really taught me how that works. And it's like. You know, they're like, they're like, oh, use this thing. No, don't use this thing. And it's just like, well, what do I, what do you want me to do? Like, and, and I don't know how to, if I'm supposed to not be seen, if I'm supposed to be seen. And then like, you look at the mission objectives, and there's like, you know, the, the mission objectives like don't get shown until the, after you go to replay them. And it's like, it's like, oh, don't get seen by these. I'm like, how in the world was I not supposed to? Get? It, it's very weird in terms of like, uh, my biggest the tonal with, shifts of that. Sure. My biggest issue with the story is that it just fails to make me care. Like, I don't really hate the bad guy. Because you don't see the bad guy doing anything bad. Like, you don't he, build an attachment. He, he blew up Mother Base, man. Yeah. He, like, like, killed people from Peace Walker or like something. Like, nine years ago. Yeah. And, like, you went to sleep and then you woke up and now you should still hate the guy. Like, I just... Now the X-Men are trying to kill you. I don't know what... Yeah, and, like, <laughs> you don't build an attachment to, like, all these people that you recruit because really all they are is, like, a still image of a face and, like, yeah. a meter. Like, I don't have an attachment to this. And, look, love it or hate, love or hate the old Metal Gear stories... No one could really say that they didn't care about it. Right. Like, either you really hated it because you thought it was so convoluted and stupid, or you totally bought into the lore and you absolutely loved it and adored it. But there was never just like a, meh, mm -hmm. and that's the story of Metal Gear Solid Five, yeah. well, A big, like, fat, meh. What is, you know, I, I didn't finish Peace Walker, but I did play, you know, I didn't, fi I, you know, I haven't played entirely through, but like... Why did the character of Naked Snake slash Big Boss or whoever they're calling him in this at this point, um, he doesn't talk anymore? He doesn't talk. Like they hired Kiefer Sutherland to be his voice, but nope. he doesn't. He has like no dialogue. The only time you hear him talk is in tape recordings. Yeah, like you can get cassette tapes where he they've recorded conversations he's had with other people, and there you hear. Kiefer yeah. just going off. Like, he'll, he's voicing for like three minutes straight. Yeah. But in the game, it's all grunts, yes, no, like. Oh, and yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The horse, you can hear him, yeah. and he says yeah, like, yeah. clearly, it's Kiefer <laughs> Sutherland. But yeah, it's like Snake is, or, or Big Boss, whatever you want to call him, is just like. He's in non. The whole story is like non existent. Yeah. I like can't 80 believe it. 80% of the dialogue is, uh, is uh, Miller. Yeah, I just. I'm flabbergasted. Like, I feel like Kojima just took the criticism, like, way too much to heart and just went the whole... Uh, it's, it's one of those, weird. be careful what you ask for, you just might get too much yeah. of it deals. And like, I also don't, I mean, I am not a big, you know, David Hayter's, you know, snake voice, I think, is a relic of 1998 yeah. game voice acting. Yeah. But 
I don't buy Kiefer Sutherland's voice coming out of that character for once. He just sounds like Jack Bauer. I don't either. But I think a lot of it is just we're so used to seeing Snake and associating the voice with yeah. him that. But at least I like, agree with you. Though. But at least David Hayter right. had dialogue. You know, like yeah. he actually has a character. It I, is I don't, crazy I don't how really, he's like a mute. I don't feel like I know anything about this snake, and yeah. I and I, it's weird because like I know a lot about him because he was the guy in Metal Gear Solid Three. He was the guy in Metal Gear Peace Walker. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he had a lot to say in those yeah. other two games. It's and, really bizarre. And all of a sudden, he just doesn't talk anymore. And you're like, well, did something happen when you were? Not when we waking up because there is a thing at the beginning where like oh is it hard to talk like you know when you're first waking up yeah, in the yeah. hospital at the beginning I'm like but if that's supposed to really be why he doesn't talk much they don't really get that across well he too talks well. he does talk he in talks the game, plenty like. in the audio tapes <laughs> I just it's it's a lot it's weird how much of it is told through audio tapes and how much of it, you know especially since like. Well, the backstory you end up getting from, like, hearing random conversations from people at Mother Base. Like, two yeah. soldiers will be like, so you hear Big Boss was back in, like, nine years. Yeah. They tell you, like, the, the backstory that makes you care. But if you're not at there at the right time, you'll never even hear it. Like, yeah, most of the story I've heard is about how one of the soldiers just really wants to touch the the, the paw pads of the puppy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They talk I about heard that, that one, too, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, it's, yeah, it's weird. And, and the other thing is, like, like it, the guy doing uh, Robin Atkin Downs, who's master, who's Master Miller, uh, is kind of doing a Cam Clark sort of impress, you know, slight Cam Clark, which is who master who did Master Miller in the '98 Melody. Here's the other Watching the, sorry to interrupt, but watching these trailers, I am surprised that like the trailers show the whole story. Yeah, like they a lot of it. Like literally, if like you've all, seen the whole first half of the game story. Basically, like I just assumed that like these were just like a snippet of the beastly cutscene. No! Like, these trailers yep. show, like, the whole story for the first, like, 20 plus hours. It's yeah, really like you crazy. Probably see, you probably see more, like, non-interactive cutscene in the first, like, hour of Metal Gear Solid Then you see for the next 15. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's weird. And... But like like Master Miller is he's Robin Atkin Downs kind of doing sort he sounds sort of like the Cam Clark Master Miller from the original Metal Gear Solid, and then uh, Troy Baker is doing you know kind of a younger you know Southern twang version <laughs> of uh, of uh, Revolver Ocelot, yeah. but like they still are much more serious realistic performances, and there's so much of it is told through audio that like sometimes I don't know who's talking. Yeah. And the funny thing is like yeah the original Metal Gear Solid like voice acting cast was like a bunch of caricatures and stereotypes in some way but you always knew who was talking to you and like it was it was it's it's weird how, and maybe that's just you know I don't feel like I have really a lot of nostalgia for the old Metal Gear Solid games but like part of me really misses having those exaggerated performances in this game and I here's know maybe I'll they say, wouldn't fit but here's what I'll say Kojima's great at I don't think he's a great storyteller I think he's a middling director but one thing that he can do is create amazing characters that are intriguing. Like, mm-hmm. Even if you don't like them, you remember them. Like, the, like I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, that sequence at the beginning, like, that guy mm-hmm. that's in there and, like, his little hovering, like, sidekick, like, they're awesome characters. Yeah. But you, <laughs> yeah, they disappear. Right. Well, and like, you don't I, see him again for like, like the, ten or hours. Or like the Skull Squad, and so and where you're like, what's that? It's like, like, it really, like everyone's seen Skullface or whatever. Like yeah. I actually don't really care for that guy, but he has like henchmen that I love. Like they're yeah, amazing are awesome. characters, crazy, intriguing. Like he is so good at making memorable characters, but they aren't explored in this game, and they're just they're they're introduced, and then you don't see him again yeah. for like huge for stretches forever. of time. Yeah, like. Well, they're not, you know, I mean, I'm sure the answer is some 
stupid thing. You know, it's probably going to be just like nano machines again or something. Nano machines. But Everything's when they, nano machines. But when they first show up, like you know, there's that, the, yeah, the Skull Squad is awesome, and like, and when they show up later, there's like, there's some crazy stuff in this game yeah. where you're like. Whereas, but it's like you know, like there's a there's a cutscene like you know early early on when you first started doing a bunch of missions and like the Skull Squad shows up and they they break all the rules of the game. So like you yeah. kind of it's pretty it's I mean on one hand it's kind of frustrating but also sort of scary and it's, it's yeah. like you're like well how the hell do you handle this and like and there's like this giant there's a, there's a, there's a thi- this thing that happens that I thought was snake hallucinating and it wasn't yeah. and it was real and I'm yeah. like holy shit and you're, and then like but then you have to go back to this sort of like standard open you have to go infiltrate a base full of dudes again you know it's like it's like you just saw like a fucking giant mech maybe like yeah. something was there and then you're like oh well I guess we'll just go steal a piece of paper from a time to reload my AK47 it's so the the, sh- the jumps back and forth yeah. are so strange and like it you know. It's I like, feel like the whole game is that way. I feel like yeah. it's like a bunch of like it's really a- awesome stuff. Kind of awesome stuff and not awesome stuff just all kind of snapped together yeah. in this really boring environment with repetitive missions. Yeah, and like what I guess I, I, that there's the conclusion <laughs> for the gamey valve for Metal Gear Solid Five. And do you? I mean, you're way further than I am, but yeah. like. Like, do those crazy things ever become a regular part of the game, or is it always just you versus regular soldiers? No, no, so no. I mean, no. Are you asking like if if like supernatural beings become like the foot soldiers in the game? Or like, do you start to see like you know the like these are worse like geckos into pretty big spoilers. Like like nothing like that. Like I don't the, want to start giving away too much. All right, well, because like I don't know if I want to. We'll talk after the show. I don't want to spoil it for our viewers. All right, but if you Fair. want it to be spoiled, then well, I'll, I'll tell you about it. But. But yeah, I mean, look, it's a really good game, and it's it's going to get a good score in our gamey Val. I have we've talked about a lot of really awesome stuff in it. I'm going to talk about a lot of really awesome stuff in the gamey Val. Um, like we said, the detail is there, the Kojima ness is there for the most part, other mm-hmm. than the fact that the story completely goes away and the characters are kind of abandoned. And yeah, I mean, you've got a, you've the got game. the choice of like you know you could either drown me in story or let me play, and I prefer that they picked let me play. Yeah, and I look I. I don't want to say too much, because people mm-hmm. still need to read the game eval, and there's a lot more information I'm going to include in there. I am enjoying the game. Obviously, anything you play for 30 hours and you want to go back and play more, you're enjoying a great deal. I'm guessing probably a lot of people have already bought the game, and they're probably yeah. just sharing what they've played with what we're they're talking about. They're probably playing about. it while we're, they're listening to They may to us. be, actually. Yeah. So uh, we're going to end the conversation there. I feel like we spent enough time on Metal Gear Solid 5 without spoiling too much. I think you got a good idea of our impressions. Matt, why don't you look for questions from right. the users while I tell the good people about the contest that is happening. So you guys have an advantage in this contest because you guys are watching this live and I am announcing this on our live stream first before I put anything up on sifted.net. So what we're gonna do is we're going to do a user blog contest and the winner will get a free copy of Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. I shouldn't say copy, it's a digital copy of the game. So. How it's going to work is later on this evening a story will go up on Sifted and there will be a big promotional image for it in the uh, homepage Massive Carousel. Um, and basically what you're going to do is you're going to go into our blog system and you're going to write blogs related to Metal Gear Solid 5. And you can write about whatever you want. You can talk about the things you like in the Metal Gear franchise. You can talk about why it speaks to you. You can talk about why Matt and I are crazy for the stuff we said on Game Face today. Um, you can write whatever you want, and we're going to judge all the blogs, and the blog that we deem to be the best is the one that will get the game. Now, there's a couple caveats. 
Uh, the first caveat is you have to be a premium subscriber to Sifted to win the code. And that's gonna be true with any giveaway we ever do on Sifted. You're gonna have to be a premium subscriber to be considered for it. So you're gonna have to be a premium subscriber to be considered for it. It also, don't bother just writing like five sentences and then adding a link to it in the, uh, in the article. It, you know, you're just gonna waste our time and you're gonna waste your time as well. So make sure you write something kind of beefy. Uh, make sure you toss a couple images in there to help illustrate your point because the other thing that we're going to do is the winner is going to be featured on Sifted. So you're going to get a lot of traffic to your blog. Uh, so we want to make sure that they look at least half decent. So that's how it's going to work. Basically, you write your blog and then in the comments for that article, you just post a little link to your blog and we'll go and we'll read them all because we can't just go out and look at every user's blog to find out who wrote the best ones. So just put a link to your blog in the comments section for that story and we will make sure to go and read them all good luck can't wait to see your guys's work and we're going to do this in the future going forward in a lot of cases uh we're, for big stuff that we give away we're going to do blog competitions and do other types of things like that to get the community involved and actually have you guys earn something instead of just having us pull a number out of a hat and say oh random dude won uh, let's see you guys put your chops to work and actually earn some really cool rewards through Sifted, and that's the plan. So look for that story later tonight, early tomorrow. Again, you have an advantage because you're going to be able to write this or start writing your blog right away, whereas people who are watching the archive of this show are going to be starting a little later on it. So you have a bit of an advantage. And Matt, do we have any questions from viewers? Eh, no, not really. I think everybody's listening to you. Uh -huh. um, so, so my plan didn't work. My plan yeah. was like... Toss it to you all so they can ask questions. So the delay, by the yeah. time I finish explaining, there will be a couple questions. Well, SMC92 Ian wants to know if Gameface is going to move to YouTube. <laughs> um, you know what? Honestly, like, we don't have a big enough viewer base on Twitch to, like, have it make, impact our decision. So what I would say is that, you know, I'm going to check out YouTube streaming. And if I feel like it's a better service and something that's better for you guys, then we would switch. Um, it's not like we have, like... 20,000 yeah. viewers or fa who have favorited yeah. our channel. But right Twitch. now we're a small enough operation the Empire doesn't notice us. That's right. We can be nimble right now. So right now would be the good time to place the bet and find the best service. So we'll investigate YouTube streaming and we'll see if uh, maybe that's something that we could switch mm -hmm. to. Mega Drive Guy asks, is Mad Max worth buying at all? I can get it cheap on PC and I enjoyed Shadow of Mordor. Bringing up Mordor, that's a little bit of an odd reference, don't you think? Well, I think it's Warner Brothers, and it's kind of... I mean, it's clearly they're cut from the same cloth this is, in a lot this, of ways. I should say, this is Warner Brothers' first kind of miss in a while. Yeah. It's not a total miss. It's still a decent game, but... I mean, they've been on fire, dude. Like, this is the first, like, mediocre game that they've released in quite mediocre. a while. Mediocre! <laughs> mediocre! You don't get that, because you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> you need to watch Fury Road. Yeah, I, I do. Maybe I'm going to maybe watch yeah, it. Well, I, I can't watch it. i got to play more Metal Gear to get the game um, I would say um, if you can get it for cheap, cheap, like I'd pay. You know, if, I would say I'd pay forty bucks for it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Thirty, forty bucks, I would, I would go for. And like, it's, it's not a bad game. And if like, I mean, watch the trailers. You watch like the, you know, the first sixty minutes or whatever on thing on like on the internet. Like, what you see is what you get. It's a solid B, and it's if you if you're ready for that, you like it. I think I say that about Metal Gear too. What you see is what you get. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all the footage that we were running, right, this wasn't footage that I captured from the game. This was all footage that was in the gameplay demos that they put out and trailers they put out. Mm -hmm. And, like, pretty much what you've seen in those demos is the game, so. Um, what was it? Uh, what's Susudio Psycho. Uh, what's your guys' game of the year contender so far now that Phantom Pain is out? 
Phantom Pain's a contender so far. Contender. I don't think it beats Witcher 3 for me. Yeah, I would put Witcher 3 above it as well right now. And, you know, I think a lot of people may say Bloodborne, but for me, Bloodborne's not even in that discussion. I like Bloodborne, but I wouldn't... Yeah, it's not, that's not, my, not on my short list. Um, Metal Gear, if, you know, you're talking about nominees and a winner, like, Metal Gear would certainly be in the category. It would be yeah. one of, like, five nominees so far. Yeah, and we'll see. What and there's else. a lot of games that come out yeah, still. So, out, but look, out. some of these games could end up not being as good as we had we had hoped. So yeah, uh, Tanandigo, how does Shane feel about NFL Blitz in the past non EA NFL games? I love them. You mean like uh, NFL 2K and NFL I think, Blitz? I think so. Yeah. Here's 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 something. <laughs> The pen is down. I dropped the pen. The pen That's is like down. my version of dropping the mic. So if you guys, if there's anybody watching this who makes games, here's what I would tell you to do. I would tell you to make a football version of Rocket League. Mm. Like an NFL twist on Rocket League. Something that everybody can play that's fun, that's impactful. I mean, somebody might say... Maybe I mean some people might say NFL Blitz is that, but I think mm. NFL Blitz is even too football-y. Like I'm talking about something that's literally just the guts of the sport, the running, the tackling, and the hitting. Like even taking plays out of it, like I feel like that could be a really, really successful game, even without the NFL license. In fact, every sport should probably just get Rocket Leagued. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, think about it. Like, it's the essence. It, it simmers the essence of that sport down f- so everybody can enjoy it. Like, people yeah. who really are, like, FIFA fans, they don't like it as much as the people who aren't hardcore soccer fans. And so, to answer your question, yes, I love, like, arcade-style football games. Um, I love the NFL 2K series. I'm not, like, a 2K zealot like a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, it'll, Madden will never be as good as 2K. I really like the 2K games, but I still I also like the Madden games. But, uh but yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of pretty much sports games of any type. Like I like Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. Like, and, but I also like the NHL series, which I'm really excited about. That new NHL is coming out real soon. Um, but yeah, I'm totally into pretty much all football games. Let's take one more. All right. Well, the Quaker and uh, Wampler 13 both asked the same question: uh, What's the next big update for the site? No. Oh. Well, the next big update for the site is the forums. And uh, so the forums were almost done, and then Brent had a baby. That's pretty much what happened. He had (laughs) his second child uh, about two weeks ago now. Hi, Brent, if you're watching this. Um, And so, you know, his his wife can only wrangle one at a time, so he's had to kind of jump into the fatherly role here for a little bit. Um, He is working on it, but not at the speed that he was before. We were trying to get them done before the baby showed up, but unfortunately it just did not happen, which stinks because they were really, really close. So um, the forums are the next thing to come to the site. And then along with the forums, we'll get the uh, user-to-user messaging. And then it's really just a matter of polishing the site up, and it's done. There's a bunch of little stuff that needs to be fixed. And I'm sure you guys have seen it now that you've been using the site. There's little things here and there that need to be cleaned up. But once the uh, forums launch and the person-to-person messaging, also we have private forums for our premium users that are called crews, where you can create your own forum and invite people to them. And just you can use that forum. So if you have like, if you just want to create like a Metal Gear Solid Five forum or or a Help Me Get Through Game X Y or Z forum or whatever, if you're a premium subscriber, you can do that and invite people to it. Uh, so all that stuff is it, and then the site is finished. And uh, then we have some big announcements coming. We want to kind of tie it all together with the site being finished and coming out of like beta and the new show that we're doing and a bunch of other stuff. We want to bundle it all together to make a big splash because one thing we've learned. 
um, with the site of Sifted is that rolling things out gradually is a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like, it's much better to make a huge splash at once with a bunch of information than to say, hey, we have this, and then all this other stuff is coming. Um, it's really hard to message that to a big audience. It's easy to do it when you have people who are really engaged and people who are coming to the site every day. But when you have people who maybe stop in a couple times a week or once a week, it's really hard to get that messaging across because once you do it and then three days later it's gone, those people have no idea what happens. So we're trying to bundle, I hate that word, a bunch of stuff together, which is a site being finished, the new show, and a bunch, a couple other things as well. So we're kind of trying to time it all out to make one big splash, uh, one big social media push as well with a lot of the people who helped us with the initial uh, site launch for Sifted. So trying to have basically kind of a second launch of the site. We want to make sure we have something significant to do it with. So that's kind of, that's kind of it. Cool. Thanks for the questions, guys. As always, good ones. And as always, thank you for supporting Sifted and Gameface. Good show today, Matt. Lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah. I don't even know how we're sitting for time right now. It seems like we're probably running pretty long. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hi there in Europe. Was it 5 a.m. Oh, gosh. If you guys are still there, you are champions. There are a couple of Europeans in there asking for a set date and time. Yeah, so yeah. It's a Euro-friendlier, but... Yeah. Look, I apologize. You know, the show does keep kind of jumping around. It's just so hard. When you're a little site and... You only have so many people and so much money to work with. It's not like when you're at GT or IGN and you can just throw somebody else on something. Mm. It's like you got to do it. And sometimes stuff comes up and you got to change your plans and and readjust. And I do apologize. Um, I know you guys in Europe are crazy dedicated. We really appreciate you guys uh, staying up late for us um, more than you ever know. So the good thing is this Metal Gear competition, you guys can actually win. This is one contest where it's not just Continental US. It's a code. Yep. So you guys can totally win this. Um, Make sure to put in a bunch of like you know words like color like spelled with a U, <laughs> so we know you're European. Yeah. Make sure you spell defense <laughs> with a C at the end as well. So, but anyway, we we hear your cries, guys. We're doing the best that we can, but unfortunately, we're not some mega corporation where we can just throw money and people at any problem and uh, make things happen. So maybe someday we get to that place, but right mm-hmm. now we're just a little guy starting out. And we're this doing... co-host is a day job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So. Anyway, we'll do our best. We we were kind of hitting on Tuesday there for a while, and now we was good for a while, but you know, yeah. Now it's Wednesday. Yeah. Tuesday's I, a tough day with all the releases. Cause it we, is we need like a day to play. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll end up landing on Wednesday or something. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll anyway, see thank you for your dedication and for uh, watching the show in Europe or wherever you are. And thanks for sticking with us for two and a half hours. Like. We're asking a lot from the viewers yeah, at this point. That's a that's that's a Marvel movie and a half right there. The, a, it is. <laughs> the one thing I would say though is like literally, if you watch Game Face, like you don't really have to watch anything else all week. I mean, you may disagree with our opinions on stuff or agree with our opinions on stuff or whatever, but you really haven't missed anything for that week in gaming. Like yeah, you'll find out the major stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you, and you've read all the other stuff, so if there's anything yeah, worth knowing, you'll distill it. Exactly. So. There's pluses and minuses to shows being really long, so thanks for sticking with us. It's a, it's a definitely a negative. Wait the game of the year Christmas show. Oh, yeah, boy. exactly. We'll do, all def- we, we'll do all day that day. It's definitely a negative to our <laughs> bandwidth, Bill. I'll yeah. say that much, man. Like, yeah. every episode of Game Face smacks us in the chops really, really good, but it is our flagship show, and that's what it's here for, to be kind of a messaging tool for you guys to stay connected to us. So, as always, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out.